Welcome to Pilgrim on Wrestling. Now time for the show. Man. Hey, what's up, brother? Uh, nothing, just another day. Oh, shit. I was working. I thought my headphones weren't working, bro. <laughs> it was about to be sad, bro. Oh, my goodness. And uh, another wonderful episode. Of Pilgrim on Wrestling here on the Premium Smoke Room. I'm your humble co-host, Kevin Officer and Champ, and I'm here to introduce you to the man that is going to Exotica in Chicago to lay pipe all weekend long with some of the sexiest ladies in the porn business. And he's a guy that also knows his way around the squared circle. I'm talking about our wonderful host, Billy. Well, I mean, it's not much, you know. <laughs> it went so high, I had to go low. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, uh, I am sitting here uploading shit to my ex videos, doing porn work at the same time doing podcasts. Ex videos is a. I mean, I'll always be eternally grateful because that's how I kind of finally. Uh, for those. Uh, they don't know the backstory. Kev and I met. We did an interview. Then uh, he had me back for a second interview. And then we talked about doing this show for a while. And then in the new year, this is how we got here. But um, what finally got me rolling in the porn industry was filming my own stuff by all the equipment and then putting it up on X video because it was the easiest. It still is like the easiest site to kind of get stuff on. Uh, the problem is, I think they're like foreign owned, so it's like near impossible to get unless you hit like astronomical numbers. It's impossible to get a payout from them because they set their payout ridiculously high, and they don't and they favor basically all the big stars and everything unless you catch like on with a niche and then. 
you know, uh, there's no like Amazon has shitty customer service. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, Amazon is the epitome. Like if you ever go to business school and you want to know how not to do business, you you just go and talk to Amazon. Um, whereas they just have none. Like you can't get a response. Like I I just haven't had the patience to deal with it, but I've been trying to get money from them because they supposedly lowered the thing to a reasonable rate, but I have not been able to they like they owe me money and I can't seem to get it from them. And I have such limited patience these days that I, I've been meaning to go back and try again, but you can't get a hold of any. They just don't answer. It's like impossible to get them to respond to anything. And so in the weird way, I, I still have two channels up and I just kind of, and I don't put anything of any real uh, value, like the, the, the good stuff that's going to be coming out with all the named stars and everything. You have to go to, my eventual ex bunny site and uh fan centro and 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 you know and many vids and everything to buy that but until i can afford to start my own website where i don't have to give anybody a cut but uh yeah uh you just you know like trailers and clips and so on uh but yeah x videos is just shitty like i i have no i don't have much love i mean i'm in a way, I'm thankful because it kind of helped me build up the, the fan base to start approaching real talent. But uh, for the most part, X videos can can eat my dick. And uh, I think one of the things I'm going to do, one of the things I'm going to do, if if I start to get that Thor level white guy porn star cloud, is basically trash them at every turn. And you know, and because uh, they're shit, because they're they're fucking bullshit. And, oh, and then the one day they had the audacity, even though I've had accounts with them for like years now, to like, oh, if you don't give us, if you don't take a photo of your ID, and da 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 da, we'll have to. I'm like, motherfucker, you do nothing, and then you're gonna give me an ultimatum. It's like you better hope I'd ever run into any of your execs or representatives at one of these conventions because the fucking scene. I'm gonna like a like an old black Baptist woman at a funeral. I am gonna go off on your ass that you're like the fucking balls on you to, you know. So, shoot. So, well, shoot. Well, me, my experience with X videos is totally different. Um, I can sit here and say it's actually one of my best selling and money making spots. I actually would tell people to go to X videos and I can tell people how to work, motherfucker. Um, it, because I did Pornhub. Pornhub fucked me because I was with Pornhub before they did their model hub. And they pulled me into the model hub. And then they wanted all of the IDs and all this stuff. They was like one of the first sites that was asked for that shit. And I'm like, you know, the partner that I have, I don't feel like trying to go through to get him to send me every fucking damn thing that we got. You feel what I'm saying? Because to me, I look at it like this. The only person you should worry about is not whether or not whether or not he owns the content. Because if, like for example, if someone, let's say, hit up and reported you, the person that got to provide the paperwork is you, not the, pe- not the people that's on the scene. And plus on top of that, like I said, also adding to where you got to have the people with the face and all that. I got seen stretching back to 2000 and 
Wait. Eight. You get where I'm coming from? Yeah. Some of these motherfuckers may not even be alive. <laughs> COVID took out a lot of motherfuckers. So it's kind to me like with X videos, they don't ask for all that. And on top of that, they 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 video sharing is good because I done made money with that. And then now with them trying to do and be like everybody else, and now they're offering uh, not only the premium, but they're offering memberships, and you can buy the clips as well. Well, know? it's well. First off, like I said, you set the goddamn thing too high at a thousand dollars, which is fucking ridiculous. But also. Again, apparently they, they supposedly changed it to like 300 which I'm at 300 on one of my pages, and I would like that money, but I can't. I thought, but no, you should be able to change it to 300 It, it well, depends I, on. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I fucking tried, and I can't. They just, they tell me, they keep telling me, oh, it has to be 1000 And the thing is, uh, I gave, and the thing is, I'm not going to. Who's your payment through? Like, who they send the money to? to my bank. You? That's why. I will tell you why. Because it's it's wiring. The bank that you have is it for them to do international wiring, it had to be a certain amount to go over to that bank. Then because how the fuck am I supposed to get the money? Oh no, no, no. Once you get a thousand, you'll get it. Now oh, well, which at the rate at the rate that they don't promote my videos and that and that, and here's the best part, they keep changing the fucking mm-hmm. rules. I'm sorry. I don't have anything really good to say about yeah. X videos. They oh, think, no, they, I hope they go out of business tomorrow. Fuck them. Because they keep changing the rules. Because you'll put a video mm-hmm. up for an X amount of length. And then they'll say, oh, no, no, no. Um, it has to be this length now. So the video that you were making money on, you're no longer making money on. There is no grandfathering mm-hmm. in. So on. But see, you that's know, why I don't, I don't put nothing in the free section. Everything that I put up is in the premium but section. But here's the thing, though. All the stuff that is in the, in the special red section... It yeah. doesn't, and here's the other thing: they won't show me how many views it gets. They used to do that. Now they won't show you how many views it gets. They give you some kind of lame ass chart that doesn't really give you an answer. And that's the other thing. Um, uh, now you know, what you like, do is okay. Now it, I'm gonna tell you how to navigate this. Actually, can we change the subject? Because I'm, I'm, I did, you know, I know you know because this is gonna make me really fucking angry for the rest of the show. X videos. If I ever get a hold of, of your head guy. I am literally going to choke you to death with my cock. Like I'm literally going to like shove it down your throat and end your life. Okay. Cause it's bullshit that I can't get my money. And, and at the rate that you don't promote, basically all you do is promote the big name. Yeah. So unless I'm doing something really extreme or weird, and that's the other thing, why would I, if I expect somebody to pay, I got a video with Abbey Rhodes. I got a video with Peyton Thomas. I got a video with Danica Denali. I can get $15, $20 for that video. Why the fuck am I going to put it on your little bullshit platform on your red section and it doesn't get promoted? And, you know, so if I ever see you, I swear to Christ, and this is not even a threat, I'm literally going to take, I'm going to take the the, the, the the shot that makes your dick hard for like six hours and I'm literally going to shove it down your throat until you die. And then I'm going to send a Christmas card to your fucking family every year for my jail cell. Fuck X videos. I don't want to talk about it because it's making me fucking angry because I'm sitting there looking at money that I earned, that they're fucking pulling this bullshit, that you need to open up an American office uh, or, like I said, or, or figure out some other fucking way to get the money to me. You know, don't tell me you got $300, yeah. you know, so fuck. Every, and yeah, if you work, and if you work go, for X oh, videos. Me, don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. I had to go through loops to find out everything. Trust me, I did. 
you know, whatever. They can they can fucking die a horrible death. But the way, the way that you feel about them, I feel about Pornhub because them bitches. Well, Pornhub, I never. Pornhub is like uh, Pornhub is like. They owe, dude, if I could tell you how much they owe me, you would blow a gasket. Well, Pornhub is like uh, OnlyFans that you know they. I never trusted them, so I never really did anything with them. And and it, here's the thing with these sites. Um, First of all, with like many vids and everything, like I'm setting up these ch- channels and I got somebody that I'm working with now that's going to do all my post-production and the, and the chunk of money I'm going to give them is going to be worth it just to not have to deal with it and not really even have to deal with the site. But here's the deal. You, you stupid motherfuckers are dealing in porn. Okay. And you're, de- and here's the thing. Not everybody has, you know, similar, some people, like I saw a girl that she was talking about, you know, she was showing her setting up for a scat video. So people are into some weird and in-depth shit, and I'm not judging, okay? Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, you're dealing with an adult product. So, and also, you're getting a shit ton of money for really doing nothing. Because once you set up the platform, basically now you just sit back and you have to just maintain the program and collect the money. You should have a protocol. Like, people, you're like, hey, I need pictures of id i need paperwork from both people and blah 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 or there's that shortcut where like if they have a a a channel you can tag them you're supposed to be doing your due diligence from the beginning because you're dealing with shit but see but see see, i'm gonna tell you where the where the fuck okay because they wanted the id from every performer in the video because this is the reason why if the complaint comes in it's not coming it's coming into the person that has the account now I give you if 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 I join Pornhub X videos any of these sites I'm giving up my ID, my social security number, my bank information, all this shit. So nine times out of ten, if it's a court case that's going down, I don't have to show up to you unless you or unless I um like for example like I'm gonna give you an example something that happened to my homie, my man, my 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 partner A. One a girl that we had worked with in the past decided to hit AEBN. <clears throat> this is like, you know, their streaming service, what have you. Hit them up to try to get her shit taken down. They didn't ask him for ID and all that for every fucking he put but up. But that's the thing. I, but that's the thing. Common sense would dictate because, again, you and I are moral people like there's somebody yeah. that i there's somebody that i would love to film with and i am willing to pay her i am willing to, to travel to her and i'm willing to go through x amount of steps to film in a certain way to protect her identity so i could film a series of videos with her now i'm going to make sure that all the promises i make are kept and i'm going to make sure every all the legal dots when you're starting one of these platforms there's a lot of shitty people out there, and trust me, if I can get a baseball bat and go door to door and per- personally see to it that these people weren't in the industry anymore, I would do it. I would take years off from performing just to, you know, get rid of these people. You should want if there's three people in the video, then then there should be three sets of ID. Whoever uploads the video should have like, oh, by the way, these people are legal and of age. Now, if you have somebody come in to deliver a line and pretend to be the butler, and then they leave, and their clothes never come off, you don't need to have, you shouldn't have to have ID for that, because the person came in and delivered three lines and then left. But it's common sense that you should have, like, if I have a girl, especially 
I'm 45. I'm now just like I'm in a hard push to change some shit in my career because I am genuinely frustrated and and, you know, it's making me genuinely unhappy. So I'm thinking about I'm leaning into this whole guilt bullshit thing. Uh, and if I work with like some girl who's 21 and she looks like she's barely 18, I should have all her stuff and present it or at the very minimum. If somebody comes to me and goes, hey, I'm like, I got all the stuff right here. I got photos and I even got a video. Because when I start my company, the one thing you're going to have to do if you want to get paid from me is you're going to sit down and sign all your paperwork on camera. And you're going to answer questions saying that you're there, you're on free will, you're not on drugs, you're not drunk, on camera. And, and there's going to be a digital copy. There's going to be several copies on paper and everything else. So if anybody ever comes knocking on my door, I'm going to be like, I have three or four of like physical and electronical. Take your pick there, lawman. Because you have to protect yourself because you have people out there that are these like religious jerk offs or these people that like have an issue with porn. So they feel like, well, since I don't like it, nobody can have it. And then you get these assholes that do porn. And I'm sorry, but if you do porn, um, unless you're like a really big star and you do a bunch of videos, the odds of your video, especially with the amount that is made every day and uploaded every day, the odds are in your favor. If you did, if you did like, you know, 10, the odds are in your favor that no one's really ever going to see it. But when you go after somebody and try to lie or whatever, fuck you. Okay. You can go and approach the person. I've had people try to do it to me. I've had a guy try to threaten me because you know now because i told the girl she wasn't she was just i paid her and everything and i still had the videos up and i said look people aren't gonna understand it and unless you're gonna make a real go of this i just wouldn't tell anybody i would just keep it as a hobby and and just yeah. pocket the money and but like an idiot she doesn't listen to me so she tells i got this dumb hillbilly and i basically told them like you come to my thing you know, like I told him, I said, I have a tarp and a shovel. Like, if you come to my house, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to consider that like a life of death threat. You ain't leaving. You could show up and be tough all you want, but you ain't leaving. Okay. And, and so, and here's the other thing, too. I said to him, like, well, then I paid her this amount of money. Pay me the money I paid her. And I paid her well. And I treated her well. So you give me back the money I paid. I will happily give you. I'll, I'll take it down. I'll give you all the rough cuts. I'll even give you the paperwork. And then he started threatening me. I'm like, well, now it's a thousand dollars. And every time you run your mouth, that's going up a hundred bucks. And he kept, and I'm like, dude, I get it. You think you're some big country hoss motherfucker. I don't fight to win. And I don't fight to impress women. I fight to instill fear and pain to make sure that you would rather, uh, you know, stick your head in an alligator's mouth and ever fight me again. So like I said, you, you can come here, you ain't leaving, you know, and, uh, and you better know. So, yeah. And, um, so and see, that what like got me, and see, that's the other thing that, 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 that got me in a lot of shit <clears throat> with dealing with a lot of these motherfuckers, which was bullshit to me, is that you can, people wouldn't believe some of the questions that have been asked. When people in Durham, North Carolina see this porn, I had to explain to the girl what WWW mean at the beginning of, you know, back in the day, could like, you know what I'm saying? WWW dot yeah, worldwide web, boo. Everyone's going to see it. Well, and, and what's crazy is about this chick here, she actually, she worked with me as part of BCB Street Team. She was, I was pushing her as Molly at one point. She wouldn't make a suggestion about doing the adult film thing because she wanted to boost her escort. 
Well, and I was like, "Are you sure?" And and I, and I look and there's the option like if a female there's an option of doing a mask because it has like an old school ninety yeah. amateur quality of it. Now if you're gonna do it regularly, I look I don't really have a respect for the people that don't want to show their face or the guys that want to wear masks and everything. And it's like especially the dudes. I'm like, man, clearly you're able to perform. Either do it or don't because you're taking up a spot and you're taking up space that could go to somebody else. And the thing with these companies and again. You know, people with the many vids, with I, I don't know, with X Bunny, I'm a little irritated with them because I, I, uh, I, I'm actually, I need to set it up. I keep getting sidetracked with stuff, but they were following me, then they unfollowed me, and I'm like, motherfucker, uh, like, I can't stand that petty shit. It's like, I was going to open up a platform, and then I kind of was like, well, maybe I won't because you're going to be, you're going to be this weirdly petty on Twitter. Then maybe I won't fucking go to your thing. I don't know. Like, what the fuck kind of weird high school bullshit is that? That I didn't jump on the thing fast enough. Like, I do have a life. And there's shit I'm trying to do. But, and I know, you know, uh, they sponsor something or other. But I haven't seen a nickel of that. So, like, you know, I don't know what kind of weird, silly, petty shit they're on. But uh, I'm probably going to be more pissed if I do open my thing that they follow me back. Uh, It's like, all right, now you're going to pretend to be my friend again? Um, The thing is... uh, with these sites, all of them, OnlyFans, Loyal Fans, uh, uh, Fan Show, and everything else, it's like, yeah, you're creating the platform and everything else, and you're taking a cut. And some some take more, uh, you know, a, a bigger cut than others. Your job once the is to maintain the software and to basically make sure all the dots and t- and you know. Uh, are legally like make sure you know there should be a legal standard because again you're fucking with stuff you know like again there's girls that like it rough there's people that have a fantasy of like oh i'm a prisoner i break into the house and now i just basically fuck the lonely housewife and the daughter you know and so on and there's you need to have, make sure you have the legal paperwork even if you don't require it that day to like basically tell them like you're gonna want to have this on deck just in case uh because you're getting a cut of something so if I'm making, if I'm putting, you know, traveling around the country and busting my ass and putting wear and tear on my body, doing everything else, and I got like 50 videos up, and let's take an argument, I'm generating three grand uh, before I even see a nickel of that. You guys are taking your cut. Well, motherfucker, if you're going to take your cut right off the top, then you need to do, when I, when I call with an issue, when I email with a problem, uh, or, or, you know, when the government, clearly there's a massive witch hunt going on, you need to be on top of this shit. And the, my main problem with all these sites is you're taking money. And not everybody sells equal. Not everybody is as popular as everybody else. If you're going to take that money, then you need to do your fucking gig. And when somebody emails you, I don't give a shit if they make a measly $50 a month. Your ass better get, you're taking a piece of that $50. You better talk to that person when they need it. And that's the main problem. A lot of this hoopla with the, with the legal shit is them not doing their due diligence. It's them... Just doing the money grab, especially OnlyFans. And, my, and porn still makes money, and it still advances technology and everything else. But a lot of these sites just decided, like, we have this like we have this algorithm, we have this, like, program we could set up where people could post, and then they just grab the money, and then they didn't do their due diligence, and then they dump it on the performance. It's like, no, motherfucker, if I would have the money to do this kind of many vids set up, like with the video, if I had the ability to do it, I would do what X-Bunny is doing, where I'd be like, look, I'm going to take about 
15%, 10%, you guys get the rest. And, uh, and I would make it as multifaceted as possible. So that way they could do as much shit to make more money, which gives me more money. And I'm going to tell them like, look, I don't, if you, if anybody gets naked, I need their shit. I need, I need a model release. I need two, two, five, seven. I need IDs and you got to send it to me or, you know, tag them if they're already a verified member and, you know, so on and so forth. And again, it's your business. It's my business run it because i'm taking before they see a nickel of anything they earn i'm taking my cut so you're gonna do that shit especially the bigger the cut motherfucker i better i better hear from you even quicker that's why i hope only fans not only crash i hope they when they finally get rid of porn i hope they not only do they crash and burn but every one of those motherfuckers that profited off only fans goes bankrupt and winds up you know like living on the fucking street you know, it's just, it's common fucking sense. Like, this shit is not a joke. If you're going to do it, it is forever. And you're going to put you in the face out there. There is no gives you backsies. You know, like, I'm a nice guy. If I pay you $800 to do a, a scene and a bunch of photos and everything, you know, until I make my money back, you know, and here's the other thing. If you want, if you come to me and say, hey, I don't want that out there, or can you take it down or whatever, I'd be like, look, I invested. I paid my camera woman. Uh, $200. I paid you like 800. I bought the hotel. Da, 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 da. Uh, so essentially I'm looking at $1,500. I paid for this scene and I have not made my money back. So if you give me $1,500, I will give you all the paperwork, the edited and the unedited, all the cuts, everything. I can't guarantee you it's been up for three months, whatever, whoever got it, got it. There's nothing I can do about that, but you pay me so I don't lose a loss. You know, I'll be happy to break even, but you know, a lot of people won't. You know, if I shoot yeah. for if I shoot for score next month, which I'm not that lucky, but if I was, and then I decide, oh no, I don't want to do like tough shit. Score paid me very well. That shit is now theirs, and they don't, and they have no legal or moral obligation to give it back to me. You know, it's like sex work and porn, especially, is not a fucking joke. You need to be smart. You need to realize it's forever. I don't give a shit what turns your life take after the fact. And again, it's a business. Buy lights, buy camera equipment, hire people to have the shit. Get, find out what documents you need, draw up contracts, get receipts for everything. Okay, because I guarantee you, people are going to try to scam you and pull shit. But also, if you're making six figures a year and all you got to do is whip out your dick or pull out your tits and, and fuck, there's a lot of people that went to college and sit behind a fucking desk that are really angry that you just get to walk out in the bikini and have better sex than they're having and then make all that money. No, you guarantee somebody's going to come for your ass just out of simple, petty, shitty jealousy because people are fucking garbage. And yeah. that is it. And, you know, these and these a lot of these sites, like I said, many vids, all of them. Motherfuckers, you need to start tidying up your shit. You got the money, you hire the lawyers, come up with one common sense way of doing everything and stop fucking jerking around the rules, push back on these goddamn right wing assholes and take care of your fucking performers when they have a problem, when they're emailing you fucking answer them. Yeah. You know, it just fucking irritates. That's why I that's why, like I said, if I have to fucking lean into the deal thing, if I have to fucking shave my head and paint my scalp uh, purple or literally tattoo my head purple, if it just 
Because, you know, again, people always talk about, oh, I want to own it, my brand, my brand, my brand. You're like, you know what? There's something to be said that I, uh, oh, I have, I got to go to Florida for four days and I'm shooting with Plumper Pass, I'm shooting with Score, and then I'm shooting with Blush and I'm shooting with uh, uh, Blaze Studios. And it's like, show up, show up here with a suit, show up on this day, dress like a pool boy, show up on this day with like a regular t-shirt and jeans and da-da-da-da, do it, ba-ba-boom, I cover my end. Paycheck in hand, I go home. And that's the end of fucking, you know, and there's something to be said for that. Um, and I'm a little irritated today, and I always get stressed and kind of morose when I have to travel because I hate fucking traveling. And, uh, you know, there, and that's the other thing. Well, that's the other thing, too. When, when you know, going to Exotica, I got a lot of really good shoots booked, and I got some stuff in the works, but... Uh, you know, people flake, people cancel, like, you know, uh, one thing could go wrong or whatever. And I, you know, have to bite my tongue and navigate, you know, like I said, it all could go great, but it could also go all horrible. So, there, so even though I have a lot of shoots booked and everything else, there's no guarantee because Miami was amazing. New Jersey was a fucking nightmare. So much so that I'm still on the fence of whether or not I'm actually, I, like, I, like, do I... Basically, I, like, I don't even want to, like, just the idea of it makes me stammer going back to Edison, Jersey for Exotica because it was such a train wreck. And, you know, just dealing with all the people and talents and everything, you know, because uh, it's a whole stressful thing. And the X videos things just made me absolutely mad. Uh, seriously, uh, murder by murder by uh, face fucking. If I ever get my hands on one of the executives of X video, um, you know, uh, fuck all y'all. <laughs> so, uh, look, let's get to something that's going to make you happy. Let's get to some. Well, can I actually say that? Because actually, one part of the show we don't. But anyway, let's get to some wrestling punditry. So, with that being said, welcome to the pro wrestling smoke of the show. And you know what time it is. It's time to listen to that velvet voice and the sexy demeanor of one of the legends of pro wrestling. I'm talking about the one, the only. Welcome to the Gordon Soli Poetry Corner. Welcome, friends, to Gordon Soli's Poetry Corner. Today we have a little bit of a short one for you. I I apologize. I'm a little flustered. Billy brought up face fucking a woman to death. I remember one time on a yacht, me and Mula were taking in a monkey knife fight, and uh, she said she had no gag reflex, and I said I could I could uh, definitely you know, challenge that. And well, let's just say she went over. So. Like she was a prophet in her own way. The real prophet is our phone today. The prophet speaks not from the house on the hill, but from the streets. Alas, they are experts. And the sundial moves on. And let me tell you, when Mula gets you cornered, your sundial is definitely going to move. And we're going to let you get to wrestling and 
I want to thank Billy for bringing back a fun memory. Oh my god! Yeah, I I can believe Mula probably was a little freak too. She probably was a goddamn freak. Just something terrible that she was. I mean, all those girls. I mean, the girls were. I mean, they again they were like the dudes. I mean, Sensational Sherry was again great wrestler, uh, brilliant. I mean, really just so unbelievably talented that I don't I still to this day, I don't think she gets enough credit. But and I've always been very careful when we talk about women wrestlers because I, you know, when they're in the ring and they're wrestling, I don't see them like, you know, Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley, I mean, tell me what fingers I gotta cut off for five minutes with you. But when she's in the ring, I don't think, you know, of like you know, like guys get all, I'm like, nah, they're wrestlers. They're, you know, I would like, you get in the ring with them. You better, better be ready because they'll take your head off. But I remember, even though she did everything under the sun to make herself unattractive when she was a heel, I had a huge crush, uh, and many a fantasy about sensational Sherry. And I loved, I loved it when she would, you know, get her stuff torn off or whatever. I thought she had an amazing body all the way. And she got hotter as she got older uh, you know, and I guarantee you, she, uh, there's a picture out there on the internet. They'll see if I can't find it, put it on the Twitter, uh, of her just wearing Ric Flair's robe. And clearly there's nothing underneath it. I mean, just an absolute gorgeous woman. And I guarantee you, you know, a lot of these girls talk about, you know, in the industry talk about like, oh, the throat skills or whatever. And, you know, sometimes it's true. And sometimes they're just very photogenic. I guarantee you, if you were having an off day, uh, I would not mess with Sherry because, it, it, you know, I think she she had all. Yeah, Sherry the wrestle actually. Well, she um, could wrestle. No, I'm talking about like, I, and I'm, again, I'm not I'm not talking about Sherry the wrestler. I'm talking about Sherry the woman. Sherry the woman yeah. would probably like you better have your game on because Sherry would break your ass. And you know what? I'm, a, I'm okay if I was going to spend the rest of my life. That is actually a, a fear of mine because I'm. That's like I've always been very. Uh, there's certain things uh, when you're naturally a miserable person that you actually do appreciate a lot of things. And one of the things is I am in very good health and I have like, my knees don't bother me. I don't know. Nothing aches or whatever. Um, I, when I, when I have the chance, I'll walk upstairs. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of the fact that I can move my fingers and toes and I can walk upstairs and everything. I'm not in the wheelchair. I would, I would, uh, that's my fear of like one day getting to an accident and being in a wheelchair where I had to blow into a tube to move it. But you know what? If, if if I could go back in time and have a night with Sherry, and that was possibly the outcome, like, well, you may wind up in a chair. I honestly could say, I think I would take that chance. Uh, and Sherry's one of the few. Um, and like I said, always very careful, you know, like Bailey, uh, Rhea Ripley, uh, uh, Jordan Grace, all very attractive, beautiful women. When When we talk about wrestling, I don't, I try not to bring up their looks because it's like I, you know, we're we're discussing Man, their ability as wrestling. As women in this generation of wrestlers. I mean, you know, but as essential Sherry, one, I think if she were alive today in in her youth, she could definitely be I think she would probably be like she could have an amazing run with with Charlotte. Uh and I think she would I think she would um Still kill it to this day. I, I Mula came up in this day and age. She would be very over. Well, Mula, I don't think. Well, here's the funny Mula, thing. Mula would have to Mula. be a better. Mula, Mula was very Mula much. Was 
she was very much, I mean, she was a tough broad and everything, but she was very much a predator. Um, so she would definitely have to hide. Uh, she would definitely have to hide who she is because she, you know, she, she had a death. Luna or Luna? Oh, you said, oh, I'm sorry that you said Luna. No, Luna, Luna, yeah, Luna. Luna I ain't talking about, no, I ain't talking about. Luna, Luna actually is another one. Luna is another one that I kind of had a crush on as a kid, believe it or not, because, uh, especially in the late 90s, she kind of re, you know, she really looked, and I always thought she was pretty. I mean, obviously a little bit out of her mind, but I always thought she was pretty. But yeah, no, if she, her, Luna, and I've heard Luna, Sherry, and uh, Medusa were three uh, women that had they just been maybe 10, 15 years a little bit forward, they would be, you know, they, but, but again, it also stands to show their talent because when the wrestling dried up, they did the valet thing and they did it well. And they, you know, they didn't play the standard female like, oh no, something bad's happening. Like they got in there and they and they took the Bobby Heenan bumps and they interfered and you know, when it came time for their come up and stay uh you know, they they uh they took uh they took the um the beatings and everything. So um me it was Missy Hyatt. Oh sure, yeah. I well, found her so damn sexy. Uh woman Oh, woman, to me, yes, yes. woman to me is probably one of the finest women that ever graced wrestling. And then number two, and then number three would be Miss Elizabeth. Now these people that I just found fine, fine as shit. Miss Elizabeth and, never did it for me. Um, Missy Hyatt definitely. Uh, the thing about Missy Hyatt, actually, there, there are. I mean, I never got to see Miss Elizabeth. Uh, I never got to see Miss Elizabeth nude, or not Miss Elizabeth, uh, uh, Sensational Sherry nude, uh, but there are nude photos of Missy. Missy, Missy, yeah. And and Missy, you know, Missy kind of, I mean, now she looks better because she kind of grew into, but she got a little out of the hand, out of pocket with that plastic surgery thing. Um, And I think, you know, she, and she didn't need to do that. She didn't need to, uh, you know, she didn't need to uh, go that hard on the plastic surgery. Keebler, she was fine as shit. Oh no, she was Ooh. fine, especially when she. Um, I'll always be eternally grateful for her, uh, for her, uh, her uh, look that she that she cultivated when she did that brief. Uh, you know, um, she did the brief. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, she did the brief management thing with the Nasty Boys uh, and some of the outfits she came out with. Uh, I was very appreciative of of her doing that. And, uh, you know, she was great. I mean, she wasn't a wrestler per se, but she definitely... But that's the other thing, too. She was wasted because Missy Hyatt had, had a lot more value, but she was never used in the proper role. Um you know, uh, what do you think was used better, her or baby doll? Um, baby doll, honestly, I, I mean, I think Missy, Missy Hyatt, because Missy Hyatt, uh, generated more heat. She didn't do the physical thing, uh, because, you know, um, she didn't do the, uh, the, like the physical stuff as much as baby doll, because she wasn't as big as baby doll. 
but Missy High just, uh, you know, she kind of, you know, she kind of brought something to the table that uh, I don't think that that uh, Missy brought something to the table that you know uh, Baby Doll didn't. Um, you know, because I think Baby Doll, you know, she had that brief run during the Crockett era, then that was kind of it. She was done. Hyatt would kind of go away, then reappear. And, you know, she... And it wasn't until the late 90s, I want to say early 2000s, where she, she was one of the first women to get that that kind of cat face, which kind of is sad because she didn't... She didn't need it. You know, she was always, like, a, a stunningly beautiful woman, but, you know, women, unfortunately, in the society feel like they got to, like, even before, even when they're still young, they got to do shit to their face, uh, you know, to appease, like, people that probably, it's like, well, you don't really want to appease that person anyway, because they're not going to, you know, they're not going to appreciate you. Um, I, uh, trying to think, oh, oh, Jackie, uh, Jackie, uh, another all-time Yes. she was a and she was another one that you know um was able to stay relevant even though she you know she um she was a you know she was a tough broad beautiful and you know i have a weakness for for black women but you know she did the manager's thing as well in the valet and she was able to kind of keep herself relevant which again those those four uh, i guess four four the original four Horse women, Medusa, Sherry, um, Luna, and Jackie, tough, actual, brawl, badass wrestlers. And when the wrestling dried up, they were able to, you know, they could cut promos. They can, they can do the valley, you know, they can, they could take, they could basically do what Cornette and Bobby did in that get involved in the match and then take a, get, you know, take a hit. And it, it wasn't the same outrage as if you hit a Missy Hyatt or a Miss Elizabeth because it's like, I'm not, I'm man enough to admit that all any four of those women on you know on any given day would probably kick my ass, um, you know. So it's like when you see a 400 pound wrestler punch, you know, uh, Miss, you know, uh, Sherry, it was like, well, you know, Sherry probably hit him twice as hard, you know. Carl Malone was like scared of her when he did his brief little thing in WCW. Like I guess he got a little overexcited and Sherry jumped on his ass at ringside yeah, and okay. and uh he was kind of like what the hell and 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 uh you know it's like yeah sherry sherry did not play man sherry was probably tougher most of the guys and um you know and it's funny because maybe it's because when i was a teenager growing up i like i said i i see photos you know like the new thing now on the internet is rhea ripley when she does that that pinning a position and she has that look, you know, everyone's kind of trying to make that into a dirty meme and everything. And, you know, like, uh, Bailey, uh, 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 like I said, uh, Rhea Ripley, uh, Trinity, beautiful women, but more, I don't, I have to kind of remind myself of like, Oh yes, no, they're very hot. And, you know, if I, in a universe where, you know, standards weren't a thing, I would probably have a shot. But when I think of, you know, I see them really, I really do see them as more wrestlers and athletes. I don't, I kind of forget that like, oh yeah, they're very beautiful women. Whereas well, see, think- for me, for me, nah, I don't forget. Because like, for example, Naomi, 
I don't give a damn. That girl is gorgeous. She oh, did. yeah, no, she, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I see why Jay put the the the, the Mac down on that thick chocolate thing there. Um, shit, that new girl, Nikita Lyons, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I, I feel bad that her entire gimmick is basically uh, her ass. Yeah, she just... And her ass is just... You know, period. It, but to me, it's like... To, to me, the beauty with the, the physicality goes hand in hand. Because what draws a guy in, okay, she's a pretty ass chick, but also she's tough as nails. Because that's what I love about Britt Baker. You know, period. Is that she's fine as shit. Like, Adam Cole, if you listen to the podcast, dude, you got you got one. You got one. You know, period. I mean... And she tough as fucking nails. She'll bleed. She'll do, you know, I know it. <laughs> it you know what I'm saying? It's just certain chicks, uh, like this one um, BBW that I love looking at, this girl named Willow. She's been on Ring of Honor. She gorgeous. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's really hot. She, gorgeous, she, yeah. and, it, and it is one down here. She became a playboy at Cinnabar. I don't know if she even rouses anymore named Faye Jackson. God. God. Ooh, she look like a wrestling Lizzo. It's just, it's, it, it, damn. But, but shoot, interesting that we're talking about women and all that good stuff. Which promotion we head to first? So we can get to, so we can get to this. Um, I mean, whatever, uh, actually, since I'm, um, like I said, I'm kind of, uh, I'm dealing with uh, post, yeah, I'm just dealing with a bunch of shit right now, so I'm in a little bit of an artery mood, so we might as well get the WWE out of the way. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's that's usually my least favorite part of the show. Okay, well, well, of course they still don't have an idea what the hell they're going to do with the title, and we have not heard who Mister Roman Reigns will be facing at the pay per view. Now, people speculate in Shinsuke, but we haven't seen Shinsuke. Nor I don't think with Roman even on SmackDown because I didn't even get a chance to watch SmackDown. So, um. But it's kind of like, once again, here we go. Y- y'all don't know what the fuck well, y'all want to do. Wrong. I think it's hilarious that people are pulling out, like, because there's all this stuff in the internet about, um, oh, uh, who's going to be the guy? And it's like Seth, and it's and it's Owens, and then there's McIntyre, and then there's and it's Rhodes. I'm like, well, you have Owens dealing in some kind of stupid thing with – Elias. Ezekiel. Yeah. Seth Rollins. No, no, no. You gotta say Ezekiel. It's his yeah. brother. And then, and then, <laughs> and then you, there's like Superman with glasses. And then you got uh, Seth Rollins doing a, a community theater production of the Joker. And then you got um, and then you have uh, uh, McIntyre who you're beating into powder so who gives a shit. And, and so, and really, the only one viable wrestling and has lost. So well, you he, have him losing on the road. And and here's the other thing too with the, uh, if you actually had spent some time building uh, viable storylines and wrestlers and angles, you could almost do a thing like what I would do because I would actually have, like, if I were booking. I'm not saying it would be genius, but at the very minimum, I would have at least Owens and McIntyre strong. 
and 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 like in my opinion, like a genuine option, because uh, obviously it, it should it should be Rhodes because you know as long as you don't fuck that up. But I would have Roman come out and go on and on and on about how he's the head of the table and he's done this and that and he's achieved this and he's accomplished this and he's done this and essentially go, you know what? I feel I deserve a day off and I'm not going to be at whatever and I'm just going to sit back and watch. And I would have him like maybe be at the pay-per-view in like a box, like one of those, uh, you know, rich guy uh, luxury boxes up in the thing. And I would maybe set up a thing like a four-way feud with these guys and who's going to be the next contender and you know and 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 try to see like again you already got uh Rhodes and and Seth kind of going at each other and you know there's no shame in losing to Austin so now you're killing Owens with the stupid you know uh, whatever Jebediah Springfield bullshit that you're doing with this fucking guy that, that never was over to begin with even when he was doing the other thing so if you actually had I would have like a summer of guys fighting over who's going to be the guy and I would maybe give Roman a little bit of a rest physically and just on TV to see who's going to be the guy worthy of taking on the king of kings the head of the table and you know um and I can totally see him wrestling Chinsuke at this pay-per-view, even though you haven't seen him, because that's the way the WWE does things. They had him come out. Oh, now all of a sudden, he was in a lower he was in a lower preliminary match on WrestleMania. Now he's going to write for the title. So I could totally see them a week or two before the pay-per-view, him coming out, doing his little dance, which when he, to me, now it looks stupid. When he was, when he had this aura of cool originality. It was a cool little thing he was doing. Now I, he I'm gonna tell like- you I'm gonna tell you what I find interesting, right? And maybe just me. Why ain't Roman just came with his own version of the bill? The reason why I say that because I you right now it think about when we had the rock and see that's why I love about the attitude era because you get the rock you had uh Stone Cold with his belt which is to me still one of the hottest title belts of all time. I am sorry. That smoking skull belt, dog. Dog. I'm sorry. And and even when uh, John Cena, I didn't have an issue with the spinner belt so much. Oh, I hated that belt. Ugh. You know what I'm saying? I like WWE went better than the US. But to me, it was to, it, because to me, it's why are you even holding two belts? It's like It's more badass if you're like, no, nah, fuck that. Uh, this the bell. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I well, saw that they go ahead. No, no, it's just I honestly, it's a great idea, and honestly, it's it's an idea, it's a common sense idea, and there lies a problem with your with all your things you're saying because they are common sense things. Because here's the thing: it makes sense. First of all, no one, I, no one except the. Hardest of hardcore WWE fans likes that belt. Nobody, no, even podcasts that are pro WWE don't like that belt. That belt is lazy. It's ugly. It's dumb. And the thing is, what uh, it would make perfect sense that this guy who is you know getting near a two year run 
and has defeated and done all this stuff. That he yeah, wait a, second, wait a second. Here's the question with this. He's coming up on CM Punk's record. Am I correct? Oh, uh, that I don't know. I don't actually. I think he because was, it's, didn't he? Because, well, well, I thought he already passed it because Punk was like what champion for like only like a year or so. He might, but they ain't even mentioned it, which is kind of crazy. They're not going to mention Punk. I think Punk. they would boast about it. They're not going to mention Punk, and I guarantee you, even though Vince will never admit it in public, he is seething. Especially if they put the belt uh, on Punk, it's going to piss off Vince McMahon because Punk is the last guy to basically go fuck you and leave and leave a lot of money on the table and then beat the WWE in court and then went and did his own thing, successful or not. I mean, he did comic books. He's done some acting. He tried the MMA thing. Um, And then he came back on his own terms and his own way. And to be honest with you, I like this version of Punk better because Punk and I have something in common. When we're in a bad mood or we're miserable, we're really there's it's like a very different personality. Like Billy, that is not in a good mood or or just not happy. It's a it's a complete one eighty to where he is in an environment that he wants to be in and that he feels like he could achieve something and do some good and you know and one is way better to be around than the other um, and uh, punk now I think is better than ever but also just more fun to watch because you could just see the fire in his eyes when he's doing different things and even just doing a promo. And I guarantee you, it, it burns Vince up because Vince, I was listening to some stuff on YouTube and uh, there was a quote that Vince said when he, you know, Black Saturday, when he bought the TV time slot for Georgia and he, I think he had it for like two, three weeks and the fans hated it because, you know, and the, the especially that at that time period in the 80s, the WWE in-ring product uh, was nowhere near the product of uh, basically the NWA, with the exception of like a, a Har Foundation or a Morocco match. And he told Crockett Jr., it's like, you're going to choke on that million. And, you know, and even though Vince used that money to fund WrestleMania 1, and Vince clearly won, I guarantee you, all those years, doesn't matter success of WrestleMania 3 and, you know, the growing success of his company and yada, yada, yada. He he told Crockett, you're going to choke on that million. And it stuck with him. I guarantee you, he, you know, he, he, I, I think if Frankie Savage did fuck Stephanie McMahon, I, I honestly think Vince would forgive and be okay with that a lot quicker than ever seeing Punk in a WWE ring ever again. Because I guarantee you, like, that is why the WWE, the way it is now, where it's like, people are going, well, who's going to be the next challenger for Roman? I'm like, it doesn't matter. There's legitimately one guy because you buried every other dude. And and essentially the WWE way of booking is uh, Roman Owens loses a pie eating contest on last Raw and then, and then uh, gets humiliated and falls on his bottom. The next week he comes in, all of a sudden he's a destroyer of worlds and now he's a competitor for the world title. Because dude, that's what Vince McMahon wants. That's what uh, you know. That's what um, 
you know, that's that's what the way they book. They just determined one week this guy's now a contender for the title. You know, yeah. and uh, so I don't. I think they're probably going to sacrifice Shinsuke. Um, I would like to think that this would inspire Shinsuke to bring back some of that old oomph, but I don't think so. I think, I think, uh, I think what everybody else thinks. I think he's going to just continue to cash that check, and then when his time is up, he'll do one last run in New Japan or somewhere else, and then that'll be the end of of him, and he's going to retire with college funds for his kids and all his bills paid and a, and, and a nest egg, you know, I mean, he doesn't even look like his body doesn't even look like he's, you know, he kind of, he was never super ripped, but he just, he's got step, he doesn't even have dad body. He has stepdad body, you know, and it, and his gear, it just, the aura that all that stuff that he did that made him cool. It's kind of gone. Like now when I look at him, I'm like, well, why are you doing? Why are you? What's with the gyration? What's you having a seizure? Do I need to get my wallet out? Like, what are you doing? Before it was like fucking cool, you know. And then you know, but now, yeah. Well, other than that, um, of course, I think last for some crazy reason, Drew Gulak has been getting his ass whooped by women lately. Um, first Charlotte. Then this last SmackDown, I understand that the uh, Ronda Rousey choked him. I guess put him in the armbar or something and, and signed the contract. Um, as his backlash pay per view is is winding into everything, I guess. Um, why should we care? Because it it it's kind of like this to me. It's like I watch WWE now because I'm just used to watching it. It's like it's never surprised me anymore. Um, the storylines really, because it's like this. To me, I keep, it's not about the, it's not even the fact that you don't even have great, they, they do have good matches from time to time, they do have good matches. But it's just that the storylines and like even with the 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 um Drew McIntyre and and Sami Zayn that shit is <laughs> so we're doing the adage the runaway heel we're doing that now it then came to this the Sami Zayn somehow was able to get away during a lumberjack match. I I I don't know, man. I kind of lost. Sammy's gonna have to do a lot of unless I see the paycheck that he got for WrestleMania. Because I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that I wouldn't. I I I'm very again. I'm I'm going to Chicago with a very specific agenda to either get something done or get the initial ball rolling on stuff that I want to happen, and I am in full sellout mode like i am a whore i can be bought what do you got what do i got to do like i am looking to get into a spot and i'm and and you know i'm i you know we'll we'll find my limits when we run into them so uh i'm gonna i i've lost a lot of respect for sammy 
so until I could see the actual paycheck he got for doing that bullshit match at WrestleMania, I can't really forgive him. Like I would need you know, like one Sammy's a great great wrestler. He is, and he and he had a, and you know, and he really evolved into a great talker and a great personality, and they've given him a lot of shit to do to work with, and he turned it into chicken salad. But I mean, that was absolutely absurd and just dumb and not even well done or funny. Now, again, if he showed me his check and that check was big enough, I would look at him and go, yeah, I would have done the same thing. I was like, I mean, Drew McIntyre took out the whole crowd. And I was like, Sammy got to wait. Now we're going to get a cage match. Which, okay, I didn't even know they hate each other that much for it to be a cage match. See, this is what I mean by it's, it's like back in the old days, a cage match was the last resort because the feud was just so violent that you had to put it in the cage. Yeah. Well, you just be, it. Now, I've seen the storyline where the guy was always escaping or getting out or what have you. You feel me? But it was more of one match, he just walked out. He said, fuck it. I'll take the count out. The next match was no count out. They say they didn't say nothing about no disqualification. He somehow get disqualified. You know what I'm saying? On purpose. Uh, then, like, I, then I can see outside interference. Now we got no choice but to put the cage because they tried to explain it to where this is the reason why we need the cage because the cage match was the most violent match you can have, you know what I'm saying, in any promotion. Not, not every promotion did the dog collar match. Not every promotion did the the uh, cold minor glove on the poles, brass knucks, or or what have you. Or what, what was the match? Uh, the the brass knuck match. <laughs> so the coal miner on the glove match, and I post, I did post that one on the Twitter that the uh, Dutch Savage. Which is a great wrestling name, Dutch Savage. Um, honestly, if, if I, I'm not gonna lie. If I would have, I I knew of him, but I, I wasn't thinking of him uh, when I was thinking my stage name. I'm happy with my stage name, but I think I might have, I don't know, I, I might have gone with Dutch Savage. Uh, but um, no, him and Iron Sheik had the best one. Um, you know, uh, Cole Meyer glove match because usually that match sucks. The I saw some some recent, not recent, but like recently I saw some old WWE uh, cage matches, like you know Roddy versus Don or uh, Bruno San Martino, some Andre ones um, where Andre would bust out a like off the top turnbuckle Yokozuna like splash on his opponents. Um, the, uh, you know, they had occasionally, even though I never liked the whole stupid, you had to escape the cage thing. Um, it, Cause I was, it wasn't because of any, now they would have sold it as a special stipulation um, as like, this is like more dangerous than a cage match. It's not, you're going to be a referee. You're just going to go at it and then survive. It was because God forbid somebody gets pinned, even though up until this point, somebody got pinned. So now, uh, Okay, now nobody can be pinned in a cage. Uh, I always found their cage matches to be a little lazy, um, and they and to this day, 
honestly, um, the steel cage match when it's done right is my favorite special yeah. stipulation match. And, I, even with WWF when they did their cages, what the fuck? Well, especially was like when when Vince really went the, the last really good ones they did in the eighties were like I said, San Mart. I can't recommend it enough. San Martino. And Roddy Piper in the Boston Gardens. If you go on Peacock, it's 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 in the like eighties or oldies section. Uh, it's, it's like a steel Shoot, cage. I forgot who it was. It Don Morocco and um, it's Snuka. Not 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 that not that one. Um, Bob Backlund. Uh, I'm sure they did have it, a. It was it was a cage match that Bob Backlund had that was a goddamn barn burner. Uh, well, he did one with um uh oh what's his god damn it uh. Pat Patterson, and they actually, uh, and Pat Patterson is the only guy to actually get four matches, main events in the garden, and the fourth one being the cage. The last, uh, in my opinion, the last couple of good cage matches the WWE had, or WWF had, was uh, was uh, Valentine, San- uh, Tito Santana, where Santana won the belt back, and then Valentine destroyed the old belt, which led to the, the one that everybody recognizes as like their favorite uh Morocco and and Snuka, even though that's been played like on repeat to death. And then I really like again, I really like uh the Roddy Piper San Martino. And then around 85, 86, they got that blue cage, and then you know the oh we can't yeah, have that's blood. When they lost. Yeah, I hated that blue cage, man. I well, hated it, was, that. it because their wrestlers were so big and lumbersome, they needed you know, they needed to be Something able to climb, climb the cage easily. Plus, you know, Vince felt like, oh, the fans can't see the cage, the fight. So, like, oh, I'll have a bigger thing. Even though yeah. from the beginning of time. Yeah, I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to ask you this. Why didn't the Thunderdome cage concept didn't take hold as, like, the War Games concept did or even the Hell in the Cell? Well, that three stack cage. Oh, oh, well, honestly, um, because it's hard to that really, I think, is hard to uh watch unless you're at home. If you're at home watching it on TV, it's great because you get the camera angles, yeah. But also, it's it's a very weird st- structure, especially back then. They did it with chain link, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and and again, I think. It's just one of those things of you didn't have the right people to maybe make the match work. And, you know, it, it has to have the right reason. Like the war game, the first one worked because you had all the guys and there was an ongoing feud. And then, yeah, you know, so it, it, built, it, it built to where, yeah, we need to have a war game. So it, it, it kind of seemed like, you know, to steal a, to steal a phrase, a hat on a hat. It, and it's like the um, Iron Sheik, Dutch Savage. Cold Miners match in Portland in that it I think some some stipulation matches are not as good as others and you need to have the right wrestlers and you have to have the right match like I've been thinking about like uh, the Lumberjack match always an ineffectual stupid match I've never really seen a good one of those because they always end the same way Um, or the scaffold match now I always thought the scaffold match, the point of the match is you have to get up on the thing and then eventually somebody has to like get knocked off. And I thought, you know, 
and nobody likes doing them. No wrestler likes doing them, and they've never been that great. But I always thought, uh, actually, Dutch, not uh, Bill Dundee and Coco Ware had a really good one because I think they brawled a lot in the ring before going up. Like, I think if one wrestler is coming, making this entrance, and the heel jumps the baby face in the aisleway, and then the like a brawl ensues around ringside and maybe through the crowd, and they're already you know, got color yeah. and then, and then, you know, the baby face gets the upper hand and really starts whooping his ass. And, you know, state of confusion, the, you know, the heel climbs in all the things just to get away from the baby face to get a moment of like a breather and then realizes what he's done. And then, and again, the, it was never from all the stories and all the stuff I've ever read, it was never constructed properly. If they would have constructed a solid, scaffolding and with a little wider so they can have a little room to brawl i think you could have maybe done it well uh how you fall that's i mean again that's a miracle that the wrestlers dennis Condry apparently was famous for being able to fall off the scaffold and never hurt himself he just knew how to yeah i was amazed at that i used to watch that and the so... way and if you watch him take the fall it's like there's there's no reason why he shouldn't have been hurt. Like it looks like your ankles or your knees should be completely decimated right now. Um, so I mean, the thing with specialty matches, one they had to. It was either meant to settle the score or it was an eventual escalation. It, you know, and then the cage was always the big finale. It's now it's like a guy comes out, and every wrestler company is guilty of this. It's like you come out. Hey, I think you're a jerk. Well, yeah, well, you're stupid. And your mom, you know, your mom smells. Next thing you know, next week, they're in a Texas death match. It's not really a Texas death match. Or they're in like a doll collar match. And they're beating a bloody pulp. Um, and goes back to what I said about X videos. Now, the fact that I said I would literally choke to death the head of uh, X videos with my own cock. Um, that wasn't... Like, oh, I can't get my money, you know, like that, that's just like a couple of years of growing aggravation of trying to talk or get a hold of somebody in, you know, an escalation to the point where when you brought up X videos, it literally, I saw red and it's like an escalate escalation of like, yeah, if I ever did actually see one of the, if I actually go to Chicago and I see an X videos booth, I'm going to walk up and go. So, are you guys just like, did you just get hired or something off of like a Craigslist? Or do one of you actual motherfuckers actually work? I'm actually going to start questioning. I'm like Joe Pesci from Goodfellas. I'm like, which one of you guys, act, like who who actually gets your regular paycheck from there? And then, and then um, you know, like I'm going to be irrational and angry because it's an escalating thing. I miss the fact that like, you know, I don't care how good the match in and of itself winds up being. It's you didn't take the time to make the investment to have the guys beat the shit out of each other. You know, it's there had, it, it was there to settle a, a grudge. It like, it slowly increased like the last battle of Atlanta, uh, Buzz Sawyer and Tommy Rich feuded for two solid years. And then they had the last battle of Atlanta where they put a K a roof over the cage to like, okay, like, look, this has been going like, and it's been, it was bloody all out brawl matches. And it's like, all right, you're going in there. And nobody could get in, you know, just and, and only one of you could come out. And, and you know, it, it got to that point that even they gave it a cool name and the whole nine. And 
nowadays it's just like, yeah, you can have a match. That's why I said if I if I started a promotion, I would tell people like there is no breaking of tables. There's going to be five tables broken a year, uh, period. Five tables per year, and they have to be for major angles. And your ass better not pop up. There'll be no stacking. There'll be no Lego, you know, Jenga chair stacks. If you're gonna have some kind of special stipulation match, it has to have a reason, you know. And, yeah. And and again, and when they bitch and cry, which I'm sure if I had an entire roster of wrestlers, I go, well, here's well, here's my problem. I'm looking at my entire roster of wrestlers, men and women, and I see talent, and I see athletes, and I see creative people. Um, we are not going to do everything everybody else is doing. So you're going to have to go out there and wrestle. And if you want to cheat or win through nefarious means, get creative with it. No more, no chairs, no tables. No ladders. If you reach under that ring, you better pull out your goddamn lunch. I'm not even joking. Okay. <laughs> uh, because we're going to, you know, train the audience to get back into it. You know, they, the crowd got the Wheeler Yuta got that reaction out of the crowd because <clears throat> they slowly built up that like Wheeler wanted something more. And, you know, he was taking a beating, but he was still coming back. And he saw that he's kind of catching their respect. So he went and he, got bloody and he wouldn't give up and he's fighting from underneath and everything in the crowd was going fucking bananas for Wheeler Yuta because on a smaller level they they booked to it. It wasn't like one week he lost in a tag match and then Wheeler Yuta came back and had this bloody like he was literally fighting for his life against John Moxley. No, they built to it till and this was his big audition to get into a, a you know fight club. And and it, and the crowd was going nuts. The AEW crowd was absolutely livid and yeah. just into it. And you know, it's it's about in, telling a story and anticipation. Uh, and Man, I'm gonna ask you this because um, interesting you brought up new faces and, and people that are making a staple. Because we'll get AEW in a minute. The big thing is Austin Theory. Or now known as theory, I just find that so funny to say, is getting is right now being poised to be the next golden child. Um, even to the point that John Cena made mention about him, said he was probably he theory is a way more gifted wrestler than he was at that time in their in in, in their career, at that same stage of their career. And um, which makes me think, one, if that's the case, how soon will we be, how soon will Austin Theory be the guy, will he be the guy and will they build him up fast to take the belt off of Roman? Because, I mean, if Vince is that high on him. No, he, he, no, I mean, the thing is, the kid's got a wealth of potential, but he's still too new. I can't see. And you have whoever takes the belt off of Roman has to be a star. You can't just have anybody like even Shinsuke. Now, Shinsuke, like five years ago, Shinsuke, 2015, 2016, even 2017. Yeah, you're going to have that Shinsuke take the belt off of Roman. Uh, you can't have this Shinsuke take it off. The current. Owens, you can't have 
because he again he, you got him doing this stupid shit. Um, you had him do, you know, oh, I just had Austin's last match at WrestleMania. Now I'm I'm obsessed with some fucking, I mean, C level uh, gimmick wrestler that no one gave a shit about that he was MIA. Like I actually dawned on me, like you know, I haven't heard anything about. You know, it took months and months for me to realize I hadn't heard anything about him. Uh, uh, you know, and then again, Drew McIntyre, you know, he, again, great look, great talent. You could be obviously a great world champion, but you've been booking him like shit. So really for me, the only one is Cody and, mm-hmm. and, and it's still too soon. So you got to either, and if you're going to do it, then he has to get it on the first shot. And even then, it kind of would fall a little flat. You got to let Cody build up some, keep him special, make him keep making him look like a big star. And then at SummerSlam or something, have him beat uh, Roman. And then you have a few there that if you book and plan properly, you can possibly get to the Royal Rumble or even WrestleMania and then maybe have Roman get it back. But you build him up to such an extent Mm-hmm. That I don't care what they did in the past, and and again, just because it's predetermined doesn't mean you can't like it's the thing about wrestling is it's it's, it's te- when they say telling a story in the ring, I take it back to that Wheeler Yuta Moxley match. It, it, they were telling a story physically, and it and it shown through. And Wheeler Yuta, who kind of was getting tepid responses from the entire time he was there to getting this sound and roar out of a crowd that honestly a lot of wrestlers, including some of the bigger names they have, have not been able to do because they were telling a story and people and even I, I was kind of doing shit around the living room and had it on the background and I stopped what I was doing in mid, you know, like uh, kind of running, walking around, and I got into it. So you have to be able to tell the story. Now you have the biggest star in wrestling. Uh, so if you're going to have him lose the belt, a big star has to take it from him, which means you have to tell a secondary story as to why this guy deserved the shot and mm-hmm. why does he get to be the guy. You have, again, if you have well, Shinsuke beat him, mm-hmm. like he was just tagging with. But I mean, we're not even we we're not even guaranteed that Shinsuke even gonna get a title shot. I think you that's what they're, they're gonna feed. They're gonna feed Roman. They're gonna feed uh, him to Roman. I have a feeling you're probably going to see that match because otherwise, I mean, again, it, it wouldn't be a surprise because they just do stupid shit to do it to fill airtime. That's the other thing we never talk about. They need to just three hours, unless it's a pay per view, and even then. You got to keep the hoopla and the and the gaga to a minimum. Three hours for a weekly show is too much. You need to get back down to two hours. But yeah, I have a feeling it's probably going to be Shinsuke. And uh, depending and again, since you said they haven't, you haven't seen him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I don't know, man. Like if they were going to push him into a title match, I, I'd start having him make some noise to at least attempt. At least this Friday. At least this Friday he gets some payback in some way, shape, form, or fashion. I I mean, I, I don't know. I 
again, you there's no reason with the talent they have that this like this debate. See, here's the funny thing: the debate is not like like you said with okay, Stone Cold was the champion, and that and then you had the Undertaker, and you had The Rock, and then you had Triple H, and then and then you also and then there was Mick Foley, and then there was Kane. And then on the second tier, the boss man was looking around and Shamrock and, and, and you know, uh, 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 you know, Jeff Jarrett's there for a hot minute. And then you had, uh, you know, Farouk. And then there was, you know, like there was all these guys. And then you had like the secondary tier guys that you never know when they're going to pop up. And they don't have that. The debate is like this is the four guys we can kind of see taking it off but really you have one choice you know and yeah and not balor because if you book balor into shit not uh ricochet because again you know uh damian priest is now doing uh a new millennium uh brood with uh edge uh, mm-hmm. Edge is not, uh, you know. Edge uh, didn't didn't Roman already beat Edge? Um, you know, yeah, he stacked him and Daniel on top of each other for the pin. <laughs> you know, so but, it's. But I mean, but it, Edge, they're not gonna put Edge in the title. Oh, right and now. you and now you got Lashley doing the John Gonzalez uh, Tennessee Shuffle with you know, and you took away, and you took away uh, MVP. So that's it's crazy as hell. Like, probably could have been probably one of the tightest all black clicks. I guess they said you can only have one, which would be New Day. Because it's to me, I hate they broke them up. I really hate they broke up the hurt business. Because the hurt business to me is it's funny what they could have done with them. Oh, they could have they could have made them the black four horsemen because you know they had and here's the funny thing i didn't like the name the hurt business when they first started saying it but then yeah. again this kind of grew on me well again this is what i'm talking about when i say the storytelling and the presence of something okay so uh the, the hurt business and when you and they had a presence and a way about them that it became something cool same thing uh, the Dilf thing, okay? Dad, yeah. I like the fuck. Now, you gotta have just, you gotta have somebody that looks like me or somebody that looks like, you know, Tommy Gunn or somebody to be that. You can't have a guy that literally, you know, in Bermuda shorts and knee high socks with the, uh, the the little flipping sunglasses thing on his prescription glasses and a pot belly walking around going, oh, you know, come on, kid, we're going to the pool. Come on, let's go. Like, that's not a Dilf. Like, you gotta sell. It sounds stupid in the beginning, but you got to get the right person to sell it and embody it. And you could have two black, uh, you know, clicks because they were completely different. It's just WWE still stuck in that thing of they don't know how to push minorities and they don't know how to push any foreign wrestler. Uh, and now again, they, and that's the other glaring thing that we didn't talk about that Bobby Lashley is not in this little. Four question like, oh, is it Owen, Seth, uh, McIntyre, or Rose? It's like you know, you got Bobby Lashley, and Bobby Lashley, like, but, like, but you got him going against Omar, <laughs> like, like, like trying to, like trying to build a raft out of mm. pinatas, just you know, dissolve that quickly. It's like you, like, there's no reason why this guy needs to be 
in this stupid feud with almost and it's and and he's not in the title picture you know it's they have all this talent and they just don't but they're like they just get they get, get they have one idea in their head and then that's it you know like, like i said look at alexa bliss alexa bliss is probably going to be the next one that's going to be gone because unless they offer her yeah, they, yeah we, we were hearing reports that they just don't have anything for her well they just um which is well they gave her i never liked the whole weird gimmick like she she was i don't know they just it's a thing of like they get it a hair in their a hair up their ass and then they just don't want to bother and um and they don't give them any and it's like look Okay, you're going to be off TV for the next six months. You're on contract to get in T. We're going to have you do public appearances. We're going to have you whatever, you know, and so on and so forth. They just they just make them come to TV and sit in the back. You know, I guarantee you Matt Cardona, through just memory, can, give, can do an entire show on the back of all the arenas, like, you know, just do a tour and all the weird little things and like, Oh, and this is what you find in, in a stadium in LA and everything, because they, Oh, you, we're not going to use you, but you still have to come to, you still have to, where do you live? Florida? Well, we're going to be in Portland. You have to fly to Portland and stand and just hang out all day and Monday night raw. And we're not going to use you. And then uh, we'll see you next week. And that's what they do. And, and I and I would imagine, especially if you're somebody that wants to do shit, the money's nice. But eventually, it, it, you know, they allow it to get pushed to the point where you're paying somebody six, seven figures. And they're like, I don't give a fuck about the money now at this point. Like, I want to either do, use me or let me go. Uh, they almost lost Sasha. And I don't know what they offered Sasha uh, to keep her. But, you know... Uh, Alexis could easily go to AEW. I mean, and uh, now also with Ring of Honor and Ring of Honor going to have a women's division and they're going to need to fill that women's division. So I I have a feeling once Ring of Honor has that TV deal and they're running cards on their own, you're going to see a lot of female wrestlers in the WWE itching because, you know, if I'm in the WWE and I'm not getting used and I'm not being, you know, I'm, I'm being given stupid shit to work with. And it's like, well, I can still make good money and actually be on TV and 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 work in the ring and build up my paycheck at Ring of Honor. Or I can continue to stay here and watch the best years of my career dwindle away in catering, you know. And again, same thing. Like, I don't want to I if somebody wanted to sign me tomorrow. Uh, my, like, I, I've said this before, like if a company wanted to sign me tomorrow, I'd be like, okay, so I'm not so much concerned about my rate. I I can always build on that through work and everything. It's like, how much are you going to use me? Like how many times a month are you going to book me for scenes? If it's the right number, uh, then, then I will happily sign and I will give you my 100% undivided attention and I'll never look back. If you're going to sign me, and use me once, twice a month. It's like, no, no, thank you. Because I don't want to sit on my hands that long. You know, if you're going to use me six, seven, eight times a month. Yeah. I don't even, you know, like I said, if my rate is not going to be as high, that's fine. I can, through busting my ass through that one year contract, I'll show you that, you know, when we, when I resign that I'm worth a good raise or some bonuses or something, you know, uh, 
if you're a creative person, it, it you, you know, it's like you're whittling away, especially a wrestler. You only have, especially the way they work now, you only have so many years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it, even to me, when I look at um, everything that's, that, that's been that's actually been going on with the like with the WWE um, and all that good stuff. <laughs> it's like I don't. It's like the way. Well, damn it! I lost my fucking train of thought. Excuse me. They, scoop from there. All right. <laughs> now, reportedly, I'm reading right now as uh, I'm reading Wrestling Inc. Um. It's reported that Mustafa Ali and Oscar might appear on Raw tonight um, as we're recording this because we haven't seen Raw yet. So I took them long enough to bring Oscar back, which I'm pretty sure that now they're going to build her up to possibly what's coming up, SummerSlam, to probably face Bianca at SummerSlam. I don't know. I mean, and then that's another one that Oscar was killing it and then you know and again i get that people you know you gotta you know you're in the main you have a main event run and then you gotta cool off a little bit but i mean when you see it oscar when she ever since she's been in the main roster she's she's lost so much speed oscar's another one that i think if she left the ww tomorrow uh i could see her ring of honor just setting you know with a whole new list of opponents at everything and the way and that presence and that badassness that she has, she can, you know, I mean, oh, her and her and Jordan Grace, forget about it. Uh, it it's one of those things that's like I, I don't know. There's there's several wrestlers. Her, Balor, Shinsuke, uh yeah, Ricochet, um oh, there's somebody else and I'm blanking on um uh, actually, Rhea, I mean, because they, they just keep, you know, not really doing anything with her, that uh, they may not be able to get their release, but if they let their contract run out, I would just let it run out because there are now greener pastures with New Japan, Ring of Honor, and AEW where, yeah. you know, and again, you're not getting any younger, you know, and also the way, because, you know, you do, you do think about it, a lot of wrestlers had 30 year careers or you go even well into their, into their late fifties. And now, you know, they're getting in younger, but they're retiring or they're always injured. Like Will Ospreay is still really young. And there was a period where, you know, he just, there were, there was, there was a question to whether or not he'd ever come back. And I think he's changed his style a little bit, you know, like the way these, some of the stuff these guys do, their careers are getting shortened. And it seems like wrestlers get injured a lot more. Uh, Nero and Nero doesn't even do a lot of crazy shit, but I mean, you know, it's, it's just kind of some of the stuff I see these guys taking the bumps and everything. And it's like, I would not, I'd be like, you're not doing that to me. Like you want to, <laughs> you know, no, seriously, I'm being serious. Like you're not doing that to me because, and, and again, it's, it's uh, even 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 people at the top of the game like that 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 misfire between Becky Lynch and uh, and uh, Bianca Belair and it's like you know you are Becky fucking Lynch there is no reason 
why that I mean, shit happens, but there is no reason why it should have happened that bad that you almost broke her nose or her cheekbone in the middle of a WrestleMania match. You know, if there's if there's shit that you don't know how to do, or or if you're feeling for whatever reason a little tired, a little fatigued, or whatever, don't do it. Don't do it because you know you're gonna hurt somebody, you're gonna hurt yourself. You know, if the fans want to grumble because they didn't get to see a certain move. Let them fucking grumble. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So, <clears throat> so, like I said, with WWE, um, let's see what else has been going on with that. Well, yeah, we've got to talk about Mustafa Ali because he actually, well, he's released. <laughs> Are they finally let him go? No, he's, he wanted his release, but, um, Mustafa, uh, wait, what's the thing I'm looking for? With Mustafa, the problem with Mustafa, I guess, was going on with him was that he was not very happy and he wanted his release from the company. They never granted it. So suppose he's supposed to be coming back to TV, which I really doubt is for him to get a big push of some kind. Um... I mean, I don't know. I, I, I never really could get into him with the, uh, with the weird ring gear. You know, he came with you know the weird light up stuff. Um, I think if I think if anything, if he's getting a push, they're gonna push him long enough to like shut him up and keep him uh, and keep him happy. Uh, other than that, I think once that eventually, you know, enough time passes, they're just gonna go back to like. Oh, uh, we're going to a country where there's like dark skinned people. Let's bring out Mustafa Ali and you know, you know, and uh, and and do that. Uh, so I mean, it it depends. Uh, I, I think he should definitely stay focused on getting the hell out of there, um, because yeah. you know, I again, it's that thing of uh, he had. He had a thing. He had like something going, and it was like, "Oh, we're not in the Middle East, so we're not going to use you right now. We'll we'll bring you back when we go back to the Middle East." You know. Uh, oh, uh, same thing. Uh, speaking of that, same thing. AEW is doing the same thing now, where everyone keeps talking about, "Oh, the Indian market, the Indian market," and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, okay, number one, uh, Indian wrestlers that could actually. Russell, uh, I know you guys occasionally produce some giants, but the giants you produce are terrible. And here's an idea uh, get a good looking because there are very good looking Indian people out there, men and women. There are very good looking people with amazing heads of hair. Um, and it's a beautiful culture, it's a very bright culture. And uh, go out there and find some Indian wrestlers that can actually wrestle. And here's a wild thought, and and you know don't don't call the uh, the asylum and have me committed or anything. Uh, have them be, oh I don't know, a face, you know, <laughs> a good guy. Uh, I had some, you know, like like a guy that looks like Camille Najani come out and and you know cut a promo. It could speak English, because again, actually, you know, we, people always talk about exotic accents and everything. An Indian person or a Pakistani person that could actually speak English. That accent is very attractive. So you get a good-looking uh, Indian wrestler that could actually wrestle and go, 
and you, you know, could you speak the language because he, you know, he's mainly going to be wrestling in America and you give him, you make book him strong and you have him win and almost be like a Bollywood like leading man. Uh, and then when you go to India and try to, you know, basically capitalize on this market that everybody in the wrestling world seems to be grasping at, you'll actually have somebody to market. And don't just push him a month before you go on the Indian tour. Like, actually push him as a top guy for a long period of time because there actually is Indian culture here. Don't have him be a bad guy. Don't have him be a, a dastardly heel. Have him be a good guy. Push him like a top guy. Put a belt on him. So that way you can get... Because I remember working in the nightclubs, you know, nightclubs uh, for a period of time, and they would have Bollywood night, and people would drive literally from other states for this one night in the nightclub because they were going to play Bollywood music, you know, and and it was going to be like, oh, this is like an Indian night in the nightclub. You know, there's Black night, there's Asian night, there's this, there's that, and and they would travel long and and spend money. So if you actually have, I mean, the Knicks had a couple of years ago, the Knicks had Lynn. And it was like Nick, you couldn't get a seat in the bar during a Knicks game in New York City for his run. So you can get this entire American audience that when they look at wrestling, they don't see anybody that looks like them. And then when you go to India or that part of the world, then you would actually have a guy you can market and people would get into it because Indian people, here's a weird funny fact too about India that a lot of people may not know. And I'm sure Vince McMahon doesn't know this. Indian people are not stupid. It's a, it's a damnedest goddamn thing. They they are, are highly intelligent, uh, uh, you know, uh, very in-depth, very multi-layered uh, culture uh, and, and smart as a whip uh, Indian uh, people. It's a damnedest thing. So when you bring a wrestler to India on a tour and he's actually presented like a star and a guy that you're actually backing and, and booking strongly – Funny enough, they would get into it. It's the weirdest thing. They're not dumb. No. And, and and they would like, you know, a hero, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just funny. that, uh, But nobody wants to do that. It's like, oh, we got a guy who couldn't cut it in the NBA, and he's a giant. We're going to have him come out and be a bad guy. And then we're going to go to India next week. Weird. weird. We're, not selling <laughs> out the, we're not selling out. Oh, I don't know. Probably because you're treating them like a it's what is it like a billion people in India and you're treating a billion people like a like a fucking asshole? Weird. Weird. Well, well, I guess we. Well, damn, we still got NXT. Um, do we even want to discuss NXT? I mean, what actually um, happened of great consequence other than Joe Gacy pushing Braun Strowman off some balcony and? Um, uh, uh, fuck NXT. I'm, I'm. It's not even worth the conversation. Um, but, and but before we get to a AEW stuff, of course, you know we got to do our tour around the Indies a little bit. Uh, I watched NWA, and okay, what is going on with wrestling getting weird lately? Uh, okay, we had Velvet After Dark. She had she produced one of the episodes this week. The other one was produced by the uh, called the, the Fixers. And Velvet, 
it's a sexy lady, but her attempt to be sexy wasn't that great. It was kind of corny. I think it was meant to be that way. Um, really not much happened in the NWA. Too tough. I'm trying to think what all that fucking actually happened because I watched it. But <laughs> but um, I know they, what, they, the mascot and Zion, he had a match. Um, and then there was a debut of some kind of damn it, I, damn it. See, I'm fucking terrible. I supposed to know this shit when it comes to NBA. But anyway, for what I saw, it it wasn't the most. How can I put this? Rememberable episode. Because normally, you know me. If I watched it, I could have told you what happened left to right. But it was kind of like, uh. so I don't know what happened with wrestling. So NWA wasn't popping this week. ICW, I watched it. Um. Very ICW never disappoints. Uh, this week they fervent the storyline with the manifesto versus with their match coming up with uh Daz Black, um, Luke Cairo, and one of my favorites, uh, the El Capitan, um, Leighton Buzzard or what have you. Also, the title hunt going on between BT Gun and and um, Kaz Evans, which was an interesting storyline because they had Kaz, Kaz Evans had a match against one of BT Gun's best friends, and he got disqualified on purpose and was and was beating living shot these dudes with the chair until BT Gun came into the ring. So, and like I said again, it's just funny how these overseas wrestling companies. Like their wrestling is better and their storylines is better because they're actually uh, attempting to have storylines and you know uh, and and and, ha- and then finish telling the storyline through the wrestling, which is essentially for wrestling. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It's like I I think two things have affected the American wrestling scene um, to varying degrees in that. The spot monkey uh, thing, where it's it's like fifty seven high spots and everybody's kicking out everything, or the uh, Japanese style, where it's like we're going to stand toe to toe and hit each other and do these really intense moves, and it's just going to be we're going to go in there and, and almost like MMA and just beat the shit out of each other, and it's going to be no real telling of a story, and then again do a bunch of finishers until the most uh, ubiquitous one finally gets the pin and it's like there's a time and a place for certain things but uh it wrestling and it's hard is there's a there's a there's a personal issue there's a grudge even if it's something as simple as we want the championship because that's where the money is or we want to be the prove we're the best or whatever and then you tell the story in the actions of the ring, you know, um, like the Midnight Express wouldn't do certain moves on TV because why would we? Also, if it was like a low show, if it was like, oh, it's, it's 500 people here. We're not, do- Bobby Eaton's not doing the knee off the top turnbuckle. We're not doing the Vegematic. We're not going to use the racket, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, there were certain big bumps. Uh, Jody Hamilton, the assassin, you know, big dude and got bigger as his career went on. And it was kind of like a brawler and, you know, and didn't really leave his feet. 
And then towards the end of a feud or the big, you know, in a feud with Dusty or with the Kentuckians or something, he would do the Ray Stevens bump off in the turnbuckle or he would do these ridiculous, like just fly through the air because it had built up to doing that. And my thing is, I'm not shitting on the current wrestlers of today saying, oh, they're just a bunch of cosplayers or they're a bunch of backyard mm-hmm. jerk offs. It's more of you're limiting yourself because you're, you're, you're filling up your bump card and you're not exalting your full creativity. You're not giving, you're not, you know, like you're, you're not setting yourself apart because everybody else is doing, I already seen this match four times on the same card. There's nothing you're going to do. That's going to wow me. Um, that's why when Danielson goes out there or, you know, Hook or even Danhausen with his thing, it was different. Danhausen actually is a great example. He developed a new gimmick and then he still wrestles, but it he wrestles the way you would imagine Danhausen wrestles. Yeah. And, and <laughs> even, you know, even when somebody kicks out, he does the what? Hey, that, oh, oh, that, you know, like, what do you mean true? That's very evil. It's, 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 you know, no, it's not very good. It's not very evil. It's, ah, you know, and, or better yet, like, even when he did comedy, it made sense because he, like, yeah. he, there was a scene in one of the beginning matches when he got signed to the Ring of Honor. He was under the ring and he popped his head out mm. and he looked in the wrong direction. Then he turned around and there was his opponent and he just went, ah, and the guy went to go kick him and he dropped down and the guy missed. Yeah. And he took a, you know, he took a pratfall. And yeah. then he got out, but then he didn't, you know, Dan Housen was on him and wrestling. But it was funny because you could see Dan Housen pop his little head up and go, ah! and, and and that's the thing. Like, Wheeler Yuta, now that he's got, like, big boy pants, you know, that was a big thing. Like, he came out in actual, like, big boy pants this week. And, um, you know, he wrestles, like, a different style. And he's he's selling a thing like I can relate to Weirdly Yuta because he I'm here I want to be here and I want to be considered like this and I'm going through the same thing so when I watch Weirdly Yuta now everything he does is presenting the fact that I want to be at the top of the heap I'm now the pure wrestling ROH champion and I'm gonna build it you know and that is wrestling and it's disappointing i'm not going to insult the wrestling but it's disappointing because you guys could do this you need to just slow down and and do it you know i mean and it and again it's like okay you can do a bunch of moves delightful absolutely delightful you know it's like so so and while on youtube this week uh, I ran across, which I'm going to send you the link later on today, and we're going to probably discuss it a little bit. A rest of promotion is actually coming my way um, to Raleigh, and it's called, what is it, Deadlock Pro Wrestling DPW. And um, I watched JTG go against their champion. Um, God, I forgot his fucking name. I had it at the tip of my fucking tongue. Hold on. I'm about to look this shit the fuck up. <laughs> It's because I just had it. And he's he's a big dude and, 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 and can move whatever. And also the match that led into it had a guy that I saw in MLW, um, Calvin Tankman, which he looked actually, I think this is one of his best matches I've seen him have. And he had pretty decent matches here and there, but this one was like way better than other than that. So I'm going to see the link for that. 
And y'all check it out. It's DPW. Y'all can Google it. Go on YouTube. Um, they're a local promotion this way. And they're doing some they, they, they're doing some shit that's impressive. Um, because that match was very good. They even had uh Lance Dorado showed up on the uh on the show. So and they have big names that come through there. And it's just funny how I sit back and look at that even this day and time, how much the North Carolina territory is still hot. That how many wrestlers come through here. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of crazy, what have you. You know, so which shouldn't be a surprise because I mean it always been that way. Just like when I think about Tennessee or even California, how hot the California indie scene is, or even in the Midwest, you know, because like one of the top companies is AAW that be traveling. So, but y'all check out DPW. Now, since you've been wanting to bring up AEW and you've been talking about really, Willie Willi Uta, who I'm actually loving too, even like the new look with the tights and then and, and, and he even lost them damn quirky ass pants. Um, they, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm liking this, this, this Blackpool Fight Club. I just think that they need one more person. The person I think they need, that he needs to get the fuck away from the Jericho bunch. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't like the the, the, the Jericho thing. You know, like I said, Garcia doesn't need like the whole almost sports entertainer. It's like, dude, you're ruining the, what could be a really good gimmick. Stop talking. Just stop talking. Um, uh, and 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 uh, yeah, I just the, the the Jericho appreciation bullshitter is just meh. And, you know, two or whatever. I don't. I just the whole group. I'm like, I don't really want to see any of you. Now, now I'm definitely gonna look for it because I actually now I can actually watch it now. <sighs> Finally, I get to watch the rest. I get to actually watch Raw tonight. This is beautiful. I wouldn't brag uh, about that. Yeah, I gotta do it for the show. But anyway, but um and I get to watch Dynamite. That's even beautiful. So but I get to see FTR versus FTR, which they actually asked for this. Um to go head up in the Owen Hart match, the Owen Hart tournament, um the qualifiers or what have you. And um, I'm looking forward to that. And what's even more interesting that WWE has been reported that they're interested, which is no surprise there, in getting FTR back. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. And and honestly, FTR would be FTR would be really stupid to go back. You know, they. I mean, it's, it's kind of like to me. It's like we're seeing it all over again. Um, what's what I'm looking for? Okay, it's like this. Vince is smelling that a lot of motherfuckers' contracts gonna be coming up what in the next two years. So, using Cody, and he wants to get another motherfucker from AEW. Okay, it's not gonna be a Janelle, and ain't gonna be a big swole people. Trust me, he's not gonna no. No, he, he wants a, he wants a big fish. Um, he wanted to be the destination that AEW guys once they leave they can come to the WWE. Um, because one, unless I see 
another big deal coming, which probably down the pipe the way he got more money to play with. Um, this shit, it, it, it's gonna be hard to keep a lot of motherfuckers, especially if they're to be looking to poach. Special well, events. Here's the thing with Ring of Honor. Uh, if it's up and running, then there's there's more space to move people over. And again, trim. If as far as money's going to be concerned, trim the fat and and make the jobbers actually be jobbers. And jobbers don't get storylines, and jobbers don't get camera time. Because we I, again, I've beaten this to death, and then I took it to the pet cemetery and buried it and brought it back, and then uh, beat it to death again. The uh, you know, like again, George Gulas gang and all this, you know, with the with the with George Julius and all this other shit. It's like there's a lot of stuff on AEW that really it's like you need to just trim the fat and and get the guys that can make you money on TV and give them something to do. You're going to have Ring of Honor coming up and you could do do that and now the guys have the option of working with like possibly New Japan and other companies and so I would think get Ring of Honor up and running. And again, if you want to look, the WWE has proven time and again that they just want people sometimes just so other people can't have them. So if you want to go there and take the gamble, that's on you. I have never been offered that kind of money, so I'm not going to sit here and lie and go, I would. It's like, hey, you know. And the fact that I have not seen him do the tag team division or the tag teams. Right. The only ones that I've seen that hypothetical, well, okay, then let's see. New Day and the Usos. Them the only tag teams that I've seen that they really pumped and pushed and promoted. Well, that's you know? the thing. Vince doesn't like Vince doesn't like tag wrestling, and there's no reason for him not to like it because of all the people in the world, he can afford to pay uh, tag teams. With AEW, is Tony again needs to kind of take a little bit of Vince's dickishness and add it to his stew. Take the fucking booking away from the Young Bucks and, you know, uh, and FTR make them. And again, this is probably why, like, FTR is finally being pushed and send them to Ring of Honor and let them be the, you know, they could be that, that, that Midnight Express, that heel main event tag team that could stir the drink. And then the Bucks can have AEW, and they can have the fucking Jurassic Express, and they can have a fucking private party, and they can have a private party express, and the and the acclaim could continue not to get any wins, and all the tag teams could be completely ineffectual, and you know the belts could just basically be glorified props because while the Bucks may be a good tag team, they're not good bookers because there is no reason, there is none, none. Especially since you're one of the fucking VPs and you have Tony's ear, there is not one reason that you could tell me with a straight face and make me believe it that the tag team division for AEW should be this fucking sad. And it's sad. It's sad, like a, a like a Sean O'Casey play. It is sad, sad, sad. And you know, you it, and and it needs to be revamped. And again, move the acclaimed over to Ring of Honor. Um, you know, there's, 
because if they go back to if they go back to a, a WWE, they're gonna get a lot of money, and then they're just gonna fall off the fucking map again. You know, like War Machine was a hot tag team, and they went to AW, and now they're just two fat guys and like you know furry thongs like making an ass out of themselves. The Usos because they're just part of that Samoan family and they get the special treatment. The New Day now they're starting to shit on the New Day. Um, I don't know, man. Like I would if I were FTR. You know what I'm it's like the top three promotions when it comes to tag team divisions are not that deep or great compared to back in the day. It, it, I mean, even with WCW or even WWF, you had at least five to six tag teams. In the main, and that's like, I understand they were highlighted. You knew the six tag teams. Like now, if you try to ask somebody, well, what's the tag team division for AW? They probably will name probably four at best. Unless you really watch the product like that. Well, I mean, uh, again, like uh, Jeff, the Hardys are showing their age, and they're and they're showing that that middle age paunch. Uh, and I would not put the belts on them. Um, uh, eventually, uh, uh, what's his name will come back, and the Lucha Bros will be a tag team again. Oh, I miss them. This is a private party. Uh, I'm, I'm I don't even to, count them, though. It's, I, I'm, it's, I'm getting a little. I'm, I'm it's like this, like, like for example, like right now, like what's pissing me off is Proud and Powerful, or excuse me, LAX, whatever the fuck they want to call it, the asses now. The fact they stuck in this 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 feud with Jericho and stuff, and these guys probably one of the best tag teams should have had a tag team title shot by now. Or at least a tag team title run. It's like they keep getting put in bullshit feuds. I mean, it, the best feud to me they had was probably the one with FDR. And it's crazy how FDR is the ring of our champions, but y'all have not put proud and powerful anywhere in the mix of this. I mean, shit, if you really want to go there. I mean, it's just, I don't know, like, Sopratico, I'd like him as a wrestler, but the thing with the, the gimmick of, uh, the thing with the with the little hand signal and then shoving it in his face or slapping of the glove, if I was the top guy, I would tell him, I'm like, look, um, if you're going to do that to me, you're going to have to, do, like, when I'm, you like, do a big move on me or knock me to the ground or kick me in the head or something and then do it while I'm down. Because yeah. I'm standing, because here's the deal. I'm not gonna in my real life, and it's just again, it's what I consider to be believable. You can talk all the shit you want. If we're having a conversation and you put your hands on me, or you think you're gonna do that thing where you're gonna like palm my face, you're not getting a couple of those fingers back. Because the because the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm not gonna hit you. I'm gonna literally grab the fingers, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna bend them. And I would tell the guy, like, look, you can do it to me. You want to slap me with the glove? Like, beat me down and then take the glove off and smack me, paintbrush me with it or whatever. That's fine. But I'm a top guy. You, you know, if you do it, I mean, I'm, if you do it, I'm going to punch you immediately back. And and I'm going to kind of punch you and then throw you out of the ring or whatever in a working way. Because there's certain things, it's like, 
why again it's like I would fucking punch you. Like, that's a normal reaction. Like, stick your hand in the face. That's why, uh, for this is like a little off the thing. Um, I, you know how many toes I've broken in my life uh, in fights? And like, especially when I was living in New York City where these idiots, would, you know, grown men wearing flip-flops when you're not going to the beach or, or to run or to run a quick errand. I'm going to tell you right now, somebody who's been in a lot of street fights and been in a lot of violent situations, you don't wear flip-flops or sandals like you're a grown man you're not going to the beach you're not in your backyard if you're going to run to the store real quick fine the, the guy's getting tough first of all you're in sandals how tough can you be and essentially my first move is i just take the heel of my shoe or my boot depending on what i'm wearing and i just drive the back end of my heel right on top of your toes and that and then there goes your toes broken and then you're on the ground like holding your foot I mean, it, like little things like that. It's it's some it's like simple little things that where I get it. You have a gimmick or it's part of your thing, but when you do it ad nauseum and you do it to top guys, it stands out. I'm like, like when CM Punk, you let CM. I'm like, dude, you're, there's there's nothing about you that you portray that tells me you would take that and not just pummel the living fuck out of them uh mm-hmm. right now it's like so you know i think stuff like that like okay do it when the gut eats down um and uh when the lucha brothers come back yeah they're they're but they were one of the few tag teams that constantly got a push mm-hmm. uh private party's been there and private party just goes from one inane group to another the butcher like they're pushing the butcher, butcher. right now which yeah. he looks like a wrestler push the butcher but the butcher and the well, blade that is which 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 they fed him to Wardlow. <laughs> well yeah but you know what the butcher as a single like i said he looks if you give him some wins and maybe make him you know and and you know get, make him give him some wins he could be a nice mid-card tough guy wrestler as far as the butcher and the blade they, they're not even orient express style uh, mid-card tag team. Like I said, the tag team division is just an absolute shambles and there's no reason why it shouldn't be. You know, uh, the women's division, it seems, yeah, this is not a knock on Thunder Rosa, but it seems a little rudderless since... Since Britt being gone, it ain't been the same. So, you either you need to put one of the... Now, I again, I think Britt should take the belt off of... Um, and she'd be the perfect. And talking about stars building. Okay, so now she's at thirty and zero, and she has a little baddie I mean, group. Good match she had with with Shafir, for what I saw. It, it, uh, she, it, it wasn't that bad. It, it was a pretty good match. I mean, she's getting better each week, but um, now that impaired her with what Red Velvet and Kara, so damn fine Hogan. Um, which is funny to me because, like, with Red Velvet. Okay, they got to explain. They were just beefing like about a couple of months ago. Blood feud out this bitch. And now she she with the crew. Now she a part of a crew. Uh, come on, y'all got to make it make sense. Y'all got to make it make sense. Well, again, and that's the thing. It's it's and people like defended people. Uh, you know, they'll like, oh no, it makes sense. I'm like, no, it doesn't because. And and again, yeah, it, she's slightly improving every week, but not at the rate that she needs to be. Because uh, she, she ain't going to get the match. And, and she needs total, to... You know, 
and and she's wrestling girls or not girls, but she's wrestling women that aren't exactly masterful workers in the, in in their own right. So the perfect person to take the belt off her would be Britt, and then let her continue to like keep her with the baddie club, let her do the thing. But like, I just again that belt it's it's becoming an albatross on her, and it's not helping. And you're not doing, and you just made that that new title and it's and it's not really i fast forwarded through that i kind of stopped a couple of points but because the girl that i don't think it was a good match because like the girl that supposedly is supposed to be this like jujitsu badass mm. looked awkward and slow and and you know uh, she and cargill is kind of awkward and slow and then one minute is completely selling and then next minute next nanosecond flying through the air delivering a kick and her finisher to me is not devastating enough to warrant, you know, like, I mean, I think it's, it's nice to see that once she hits it, no one kicks out. So when it does happen, it will actually help people uh, get over. I just, I don't know, man. Like, again, I'm not saying get rid of her. I'm not saying don't push her. I'm saying get the belt off her, get that, get her away from that record. Mm-hmm. The thing that the, the thing with the little baddie bitch, whatever club thing, club, there's some yeah, potential with that. Uh, but, you know, he, he, it just a lot of the title pitchers are just kind of it's at this point. It's like why it's you kind of drifting along till we, we get to like a big name to go for the belt, basically. Well, yeah. And Brit- because I haven't seen no mainstream name come after Jay Cargo. And then on top of that, um, like I said, with, even with Thunder Rosa, e- even though I was happy she got the belt, it's kind of like it's the title range is not as strong as compared to Brit. Now, maybe because Brit, because it was Brit, you know, and maybe, because like to me, heels, you should be able to make a heel champion run a just as good as a face championship run. Also, it's like a lot of these wrestling promotions. Um, come think about it, hold on, let's hold that thought. We're about to take a break, a commercial break, and we'll be right back. Okay, hey, do you enjoy the uh pro wrestling punditry that we're giving you on Pilgrim Bond Wrestling? Well, guess what. You can get some extra pro wrestling punditry, as well as a deeper dive into pro wrestling. I'm talking about Pro Wrestling Spoke, a premium podcast on the premium smoke room on the lounge for $4.99 a month. One of five podcasts that you get to enjoy, and I'm talking about weekly. So, subscribe to the Premium Smoke Room and check out Pro Wrestling Smoke, where me and Billy, yo, we get it in, and we discuss and debate different topics from the prettiest and the best-looking belt of all time to modern wrestling, the territory days, old school, what have you. He's the history, I'm the martyr. So, subscribe for $4.99 a month. To the premium smoke room and check out Pro Wrestling Smoke. Now, smoke that over. Hey, hey. We, we back from commercial break. 
had to take care of some things and stuff. Uh, now off New York, you get to see me do that, what have you. Huh, life of a podcaster. But anyway, um, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> um, well, where were we? Uh, actually, I, uh, we were, I forget, we were, uh, I mean, I know we were talking about the, the, the women's division. It's like, oh, yeah, no, uh, well, they did the thing with, they always do now when they kind of do champion, they'd like take somebody that hasn't been in the mix and all of a sudden, like Nyla Rose, not to take anything from Nyla Rose, but what the fuck has she been doing? And now instead of having a return match with Brit. Which again, I don't understand Tony's mental block with this. If I lose my belt, motherfucker, I'm coming back for it. I want a rematch. But no, Nyla Rose, who and with Victor Guerrero, who does nothing for Nyla, all of a sudden comes out of the woodwork, and now she's having a feud. And it's like, no, you have a rematch with the ex champion, and then you and if you're going, if you want Nyla to be the next challenger. For the weeks leading up, have Nyla, oh, I don't know, win some fucking matches, cause some chaos, be hurting people. Fucking um, legit Layla Hirsch has more of a right to have a uh, have a tag or have a uh, title match against Sunder Rosa because she's been, you know, out there every week getting wins and like cheating and being a, and being a little dastardly heel. It, they did this with Adam. They did it with the Rhinestone Cowboy. They, you know, they did it with, uh, you know, they just. Now they're doing it with the Thunder Rosa. It's, it's like, yeah, I get it. You got these guys sitting in the back, but that's the problem. They've been sitting in the back. You know, I, I don't understand how you go from the end of the line to, you know, to, to all of a sudden up front. You know, it just kind of, it just, I don't, it's a weird block that Tony has with his booking that makes no sense. But again, he's, he's the boss of bosses. So he yeah. can, you know, I mean, well, like I, said, I, I, I kind of trust him a little bit more because it might because sometimes it looks so fucking weird. But then when it gets to the final crescendo of what he's talking about, it's kind of like, OK, now it kind of makes sense to a certain extent. But like I said, I mean, to me, but that's when it comes to certain parts of the wrestling. <laughs> you feel what I'm coming from? When it comes to women division, it's a little bit different, though. Like I said, he got it right with, with Britt Baker, but it really quite, I really question um, I really, 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 really question how they doing the women's division. So, and there ain't really much else to this. Well, we already discussed Blackpool. And really, ain't really much other than what Dan Housen and oh, of course, I don't, it really wasn't much else to discuss. To be honest with you, um, there's a great importance for AEW because um, we already talked about the Forbidden Door. We are not about to rehash that conversation because you need to go to the Premium Smoke Room and listen to Pro Wrestling Smoke to hear that whole conversation. What we talked about with that and everything, but. Um, I'm, like I said, I mean, really, they ain't no other feuds that I really give a shit about. Like I said, I mean, of course, they, they still continue with Hobbs and and uh, Team Taz versus uh, what they call it, Swerve, Glorious Swerve, whatever the hell they want to call themselves. <laughs> I think they came up with Swerve and um, your man. Um, 
God, what is his fucking Keith Lee? And um, and then of course, which is crazy, how Sammy Kavara went from being a face to a heel within one match. And they are going with it. And now we have Scorpion Sky, who supposed to be a heel. That's what I want to talk about. And Dan Lambert, who posed to be a heel, on our faces. And Sammy Kavara is a heel, which I actually like it. I'm actually glad that he became a heel because to me, I think he's better off as a heel than a face. Yeah. But uh, Ethan, but again, Ethan Page, I don't know. He's one of those guys that uh, I don't know if he could be a baby face. And also, again, in this. Yeah, that's the other part of it. I can't. Now with the dynamic change, I can't see Ethan Page, all ego, Ethan Page being a fucking a face. I, I can't see that. Well, not just that, but like they haven't done anything with him. And that's what I'm talking about. It's like. Dan Lambert eats up too much, you know, camera time. And then again, with all the other... Do they, kids, do they even need Dan Lambert to talk for him? No, no, they don't. No, Dan Lambert needs to, like, the Dan Lambert experiment to me is not working. I fast forward. Uh, I fast forward over it. Uh, like I said, they need to stop with the two belts and just go back to the one belt. Because um, yeah, I can understand why <laughs> it's the same belt. It's not, it's not, you, you get what I'm saying? It's kind of yeah. like, okay, now y'all getting a little ridiculous. I get as he first won it, but it's the same belt. So why is he carrying two? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's one of those things I just started fast forwarding over. Uh, same thing with like George Goulas gang and Orange Julius. Uh, Orange Julius was out there for the Adam Cole match and, um, you know, he had like a disapproving look on his face, and I'm like, "Why the fuck? Take take that look and shut up your ass! Like, why the fuck you out there, sweatpants? It's like, you know, go to the mall. I like, I don't know. Like, it just it's. I get he. I think he still has an injury and everything, but it's mm-hmm. uh, again, it's like you really, he really has become a mascot. I know some podcasts might make fun of him, but like he really has become. A mascot, and it's like uh, it's it, it again. You get it. Uh, the, the roads. It, the, the something needs to change with that, but he doesn't need as much camera time as he's getting. The best friends, you know, uh, the, whatever they're trying to do with uh, Trent, either you need to pull the trigger on it, or because his little salty, you know, kind of stick up his ass attitude thing is not really engaging me, especially since he again not winning. Um, so there's a lot of shit where it's either you need to move them over to Ring of Honor and give them a fresh uh, start, or again, c- cut. You know, Tony. Tony. Uh, maybe it's because I'm in a in a in a foul mood this week, but I'm like a lot of a lot of uh, holes in Tony's uh, booking are really standing out to me this week. In that, you know, in a lot of cases, his booking is lazy, and he, you know, and he's not capitalizing on the stuff that could really, you know, center, like really set the show on fire. Um, Eddie Kingston, as always is, is a, is a star, like, you know, maybe, maybe put a a TV title on him. 
when he's done with this whole Jericho thing, you know, that is if Jericho doesn't bury him like he did MJF. Uh, but, you know. Well, I think that's another AEW because I think we hit all we can hit with that. So with that being said, ah, it's time for the old to the old school where we talk about some old school shit. And this week, the wonderful Billy Pilgrim is going to discuss and we're going to uh, give commentary on one of the greatest, in my opinion, heels of the old territory days and in history, in my opinion, the one and only Ole Anderson. Yes, uh, this came about because we were talking about um, the homesteaders in the territory area where they were uh, heel or babyface. They were just so popular in in uh, in a particular territory that they never had to leave. And Ole was very unique in that uh, in the seventies and eighties, he all he just he only had to go back and forth between Georgia and the Carolinas, and sometimes he was managing. At one point, he was booking. Uh, both territories. Um, he was actually somebody that Vince McMahon tried to uh, get to help him with his national expansion, but literally told him and Linda to go fuck themselves to to Vince's face. Um, that's probably why you're never going to see Ole in any kind of WWE, you know, even though they're Hall of Fame is bullshit. Uh, but uh, Ole Anderson was born Alan Robert Rogowski uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where a lot of, uh, ironically enough, a lot of Minnesota wrestlers uh, born in the Midwest are actually become great Southern wrestlers. Uh, probably because, <laughs> hey, probably so because the uh, the wrestling and the food and the weather and the and the women are are better. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just me. I only lived in both parts of the country. So, you know, what do I know? Um, <laughs> but he was trained by Vern Gagne and uh, Dick the Bruiser, uh, two famous Midwestern legends. And uh, he was an accomplished uh, high school and college collegiate wrestler, you know, play football. And the funny thing is, reading this book, which, uh, you know, it's really an interesting uh, uh, a really good read. I highly recommend it. It's called Inside Out by Ole Anderson with Scott Teal. How Corporate America Destroyed Professional Wrestling. Um, Ole fully admits from the get and, and stops the book several times. He goes, like, I'm an asshole. And he was just, he's always been this way. He'll fully admit that he's an asshole. And he's an honorary bastard. Uh, and I and it's one of the rare occasions because normally the nicest guys make the best heels. Uh, and, you know, for the first year, he wrestled for the AWA uh, and uh, was actually supposed to be on the ring crew with a very young Baron Von Roschke and a very young uh, Blackjack Mulligan. But from the get-go, uh, had very high opinions of himself and absolutely refused. So right from the beginning... Uh, did not ingratiate himself with a lot of wrestlers. Uh, he makes comment in the book that this probably they this probably led to the ongoing grudge between him and Blackjack Mulligan that kind of lasted all the way I think until like the end uh, when Mulligan passed away because usually when a new wrestler comes in the you know somebody that was on the ring crew gets kind of bumped up to not having to be and and you know. Gene and Ole was fully prepared to uh, 
to, to like walk away and, and quit and not, you know, do it. So he did not wind up being on the ring crew. Um, but uh, in 1968, he uh, based, you know, went down to the Carolinas where uh, he met, hooked up with uh, Lars Anderson and Gene Anderson, the Anderson brothers. Uh, apparently, the name Ole is uh, a play on words with a toxic shrub, uh, Olander, Olander. And so there, that's why, you know, Ole is not a real, you know, name. Uh, but apparently it was a play on, and if if you were ever going to name somebody after a poisonous bush, I think G, uh, Ole Anderson would be the guy to do it. And basically he was brought in as an Anderson and uh, kayfabe brothers of Gene and Lars. Now I'm going to ask you this. Why did wrestling promoters do that? Do what? Like kayfabe brothers. To well, make a brother tag team, you know they're not brothers. You get where I'm coming from? Well, probably because it was just like a story. Sometimes wrestlers looked alike, and you know it was, uh, you know, like uh, the Von Brauners or um, the Grams, the Valiants. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they looked alike, and you know, like a brother tag team. You know, kind of adds a little something, uh, you know, to it. And there's, and you could also, especially usually brother tag teams for the most part were um, usually heels, especially kayfabe brothers were usually heels. So it kind of adds that little thing of, you know, like brothers, you know, that family blood, like they're extra tight, you know, so they're, they're double uh, thick as thieves. Um, Ole Ander- uh, Arn Anderson, um, you know, was, uh, oh, I can't remember his real name, but, uh, you know, uh, he went by his real Did name. You- Huh? You talking about Arn Anderson? Yeah, Arn Anderson. I forget. I Larry. think it was something. Hold on, I can look it up real quick. Uh, but he basically became ahead, an, he he basically became an Anderson because he really did look like Gene Anderson. Yes, he Anderson. did actually. <laughs> uh, like uh, it, it was like because even when I first saw when I was a kid growing up, I really thought they were actual fashion brothers. Yeah, so so did I. So did I because it was it was. You know, uh, and that's and his and, name is Martin Anthony Lundy. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, Mark. yeah. Mark Lundy uh, was was his name, and then when he came to the Carolinas, that's when they made him an Anderson. Um, and Lars eventually left the team uh, in in the, you know in the like '69, and then the team became Gene and Ole Anderson, and Ole was. Kind of the you know he was the uh, the voice he was the uh, the uh, the the spokesman of the team and Oli just kind of or Gene just kind of went with whatever like Oli again had no problem rattling a cage speaking his mind being an asshole but you know he basically Gene apparently just was the, he, a founding father of no fucks to give he just uh, he's like you know if if Oli was gonna kind of shake down a promoter or, 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 you know, stir a little trouble. He would, you know, to his credit, he would go, look, this could cost us our job. And Gene would just be like, Hey, I mean, whatever, do what you do, whatever you got to do. Um, and, uh, you know, they, uh, and they were kind of most tag teams usually kind of bond to become friends. Uh, they, uh, were, they were basically the staple of the Carolina, uh, tag division for majority of the seventies. You know, they, Worked with every. If you were a top babyface team, you you know you came through 
uh, the Carolinas in the 70s, you went up against the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. And um, uh, basically, it was then from the remainder of his career, uh, despite the occasional like trip to Japan or maybe like a quick uh, uh, tour in Florida, Oli spent the remainder of his career uh, between the Chip Crockett promotions and Georgia mm-hmm. Championship Wrestling. Now, I'm going to uh, tell you also, too, no one ever talks about the iconic wrestling boots. Oh, yeah, I, I was just about to say heard, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I never heard the story of how they came, why they used those boots. Because it was kind of like, at one point, even Arn was using the was, was wearing those type boots, especially when he had the tag matches. Then when he did the solo matches, that's when he wore the other type boots. Yeah, because uh, I believe I forget what football team it is, but it's the colors of a of a Minnesota college football team. Uh, the go to Gophers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like those boots, and I think I've actually seen FTR break them yeah, out. Yeah, this shit, they look like Iron Man. Yeah, they look like the Iron Man boots. <laughs> and, and 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 they became synonymous with them boots because that's how I knew who they were. You know. It, period. Because I never got the chance to see Lars. I saw Gene. Yeah, well, Lars so, kind of Lars kind of became he would kind of come in and out uh, and he always usually would feud with with Oli. Like it was Gene and Oli uh, as the Andersons throughout the 70s and in, in the early part of the 80s and Lars kind of became almost like uh, a baby face type deal. Um and, uh, you know, again, he would go back and forth between Georgia Championship Wrestling and uh, and, uh, and the Crockett promotion and also had like several singles runs. One of his biggest rivals was Thunderbolt Patterson. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was like an ongoing feud. Um, and uh, Gene uh, eventually retired in the early 80s, I believe. He retired in... Gene Anderson retired in 1985, but the tag team kind of, you know, in the late 80s, in the, in the early 80s, the tag team kind of went their own way, and, and mm-hmm. you know, Oli formed a pretty successful tag team with Ivan Koloff. He had a brutal feud with Mr. Wrestling 2 and Dusty Rhodes, and actually... It was his feud, his ongoing feud with Dusty Rhodes, which led to something that we talked about several times on this yeah. show. And it is um, and it is actually uh, probably the greatest storyline, in my opinion, in wrestling history, where Ole actually turned face uh, for mm-hmm. a period of time. And he did it for about, a fucking year. Oh, it was longer than a year. It was like, it was I, think about, I, I think it was roughly 18 months almost two years and it was in georgia championship wrestling where this happened and essentially you know uh he teamed with stan hansen he teamed he teamed with tommy tommy rich and uh you know and basically kept his distance from dusty and uh the main foils that eventually brought the plan together were the assassins who were another legendary tag team in the Carolinas and Georgia championship. That was always beefy dusty. Yeah. And, uh, and then finally, uh, you know, 
basically only bid his time to the point where, uh, and this all, and basically I'm uh, getting ahead of myself. So there was a famous cage match with the assassins at Dusty Rhodes and Ole Anderson. And there was two enforcers in the ring. There was like a, like so for some, some reason, uh, Ivan Koloff was like an in-ring enforcer. And then Gene Anderson, who uh, I'm sure was on the, the you know auspice of oh I'm gonna call it down the middle and you know I'm gonna defend my brother if everybody gets out of line mm. and uh, essentially the second that Dusty tagged in Oli he turned around and attacked Dusty and uh, if you watch the footage you see the assassins just looking at each other shrugging their shoulders going what the hell Ivan Koloff is sitting there staring at it like what the hell is going on with this because you know Oli again apparently turned his back on all his friends had feuds with Ivan Koloff and all these guys and then they all just kind of jumped in Gene Anderson so now Dusty Rhodes is stuck in the cage with Gene Anderson Oli Anderson Ivan Koloff and the assassins and basically uh, it caused a small riot if you watch the footage you could see wrestlers and fans trying to climb up on the cage to get in there to like save Dusty and one of the uh, on the next uh, episode of George Championship Wrestling, Oli unveiled his entire long plan and, and basically how Gene Anderson had to leave because he couldn't watch his brother do this and how, how he, you know, he would team with Tommy Rich and team with, you know, Stan Hansen and how he would, you know, have to ride with these guys and pretend to like, like them and be a goody two shoes and just, you know, slowly but surely gain the trust of other wrestlers. While stealing, while steering clear of Dusty, until eventually, when the feud with the assassins got so heated that he didn't have to ask Oli or Dusty to be his partner, Dusty asked him, and that's when you know. And even then, uh, you know, the first match with the uh, with the assassins, they were like a real tag team, and they really fought. And then there was like you know some shenanigans and like you know some dastardly doings. Then there was like another match where there was, you know, there's no, you know, the assassins kept doing the heel thing of either trying to get disqualified or cheating. And then finally, uh, you know, Oli was like, well, what about a cage? That way they can't run and they can't get away. And, uh, and, the, and you know, and that's when Oli, after all the, like literally 18 months of setting this up and playing it cool and not trying to be Dusty's friend and, you know, and gaining the trust of Stan Hansen and Tommy Rich and all the Ricky Steamboat and, and, you know, and, and uh, all the Johnny Weaver and all these guys, Paul Jones in, in that ter- area, they, uh, you know, they showed a clip, I believe it might've been from Florida championship wrestling where, you know, uh, he talked to Dusty was sitting there doing a fiery promo, all bloody beaten up. Because Ivan Koloff and Ole Anderson had beaten them with a chain and everything. And he was like, it'll never be over. Ole Anderson, it will never be over, and and that that was the catalyst. He said, "You know what? It rang that 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 stuck with me all these years." And he said, "It would never be over." So, Ole, and and this took most of the show. Like I'll put it up on the YouTube, and I put it up on there before, but I'll put it up again on the on the Twitter. This was like the majority of this, and this was rare back then because everything was squash matches and whatnot. But Ole went out there. And was in the crowd, yelling at the crowd, and and you know, wrestlers were coming out and and threatening Oli, and Oli was not backing down, and they, and he just slowly 
unveiled this huge plot on Dusty. And it led to like three months of sellouts across the Georgia territory, huge business. But that's, it was one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. And the really unique thing about Ole Anderson and the Anderson, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, whether it be Gene, Lars, and or, or, or Arn, was they were heels, but they were a different type of heel. They weren't chicken shit heels. They, no, they, they were not. No, they were dastardly heels. Well, they were, they, they would, they would basically, they were famous for working a body part, like your mm. arm, your leg, and breaking you down. And they would cheat, but they would actually like out wrestle you and go toe to toe with you. And, you know, like in one of the funniest parts of this video that I'll post, mm. one guy is like, you're going to get yours. You're going to get yours, Oli. And he's like, well, not from you. Not you know, from you. Not like, from he you. never backed down. He was never a chicken. T- I mean, he would do the when the when in the ring when the baby face would do the big mm. fire up, whatever he put his hands yeah. up, they'd be like, oh, whoa. But Oli was a sh- like he just sat there and very quietly told somebody, he's like, you know, you be better be very careful because you know we wouldn't want anything to happen to you now, would we? And you know, he mm. would he would deliver very subtle it, threats. It, 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 he was like. He was like a mafia hitman type villain. Yeah. Because he, the way that he threatened, and even with his promos, it, I loved his calm promos. Like, on and start, he'd be like, and he always finished. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, that's right, Dusty Rhodes. You need to watch your back because yeah. you never know what might happen in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he was one of those guys that kind of didn't age, like all the way up into the 90s. You know, he from the seventies to the nineties, he just looked like you know his body. You know, basically the thing that changed the most was his haircut and his uh, facial hair. But Oli had a very methodical, menacing tone, and he and he basically let. Now I'm gonna ask you this: Why he never won the world title? Um, because back then when you were the world champion, you, it, it's not like now where you're working for the same company and you're going to go and, and whatever. And now being the world champion, it meant money, but it, it really depended. Same thing with Ernie Ladd or Andre. Uh, and even sometimes, even though Dusty wanted the belt, uh, I think it would have affected, um, Ole's money because there, you had to be a certain type of wrestler to go to all these different territories because you would go to like, there'd be like 30 territories in this country, not counting New Zealand, uh, Australia, uh, Japan. uh, I believe there was some in Europe, Mexico, and you had to be able to work a lot of different styles. And Oli was never flashy. Oli spoke very quietly with menace. He was a very vicious heel, very methodical. And he made so much money between the Crockett promotion and the Carolinas and Georgia Championship Wrestling. And he was also a booker, and at one time, booker for both territories. So he was making money as a wrestler and as a booker. So, sake of argument, in the early, late 70s, early 80s, he was making six figures back then just wrestling. For, basically, what is it? They, they had the Carolinas and they had. West Virginia, Georgia. West Virginia, part of Baltimore, and then there was Georgia. So for like five states, you know, he didn't really have to go too far. Nine to time for I understand. From Georgia Championship Wrestling. And 
you know, and and that was the thing. So you could make good money, but you would he would have been away from you know a territory where he was the perfect heel. People never got tired of hating him. He was figured in. What he was figured in so much that he even he even managed to uh, in a coup d'état push out. Jim Barnett, one of the most influential and powerful promoters. Right, he was over in Japan getting some suits. Yeah, yeah. Over in China, excuse me, China. Yeah, so, I mean, only, that was the thing about being a homesteader. So, you know, some guy, like Ric Flair loved being the world champion, and, you know, he, he, he had that style that he could work with anybody and make them look good, and he had the promo. Uh, I don't know if Ole would have been uh, a good traveling world champion, but also you think about it, he wrestled a year for the AWA. Uh, occasionally, I think he did some stuff with, uh, I think he did some stuff with like in Florida here and there. Yeah. And even then, that's not too far from where his normal home base is. But like, especially back then, I mean, I don't like living in Atlanta, but the living in the South is not, is a, is a pretty decent gig, especially if, if you, if, I mean, I'm not going to lie. If I could just drive around, if I was getting regular paid gigs and all I had to do is is travel around Georgia, the Carolinas, and maybe hit Florida, and that's where all my paid scenes were, and I did not have to go to Vegas or L.A. for weeks on end, and if I didn't have to go anywhere else, and I was getting, I was making good money with all the companies or, you know, and all the producers and female talent, it's like, I'm I'm happy, you know, I can... You know, if I planned it out, I could be home that night. You know, like I could drive up to to to, to Charlotte and shoot a scene, or I could drive. You know, leave uh leave middle of the night while everybody's asleep, head down to Miami, shoot the scene, and uh, uh you know, I could almost be home by dinner time. I'd be like, hey, uh, all I gotta do is ride down to Florida and occasionally hit the Carolinas and here, and and I could fuck who I want, and I don't have to like deal with Vegas or you know so on. I would do it. And he and that was the thing about the homesteaders that sometimes being the world champion would almost be a pay cut like an Ernie Ladd or an Andre or or Jerry Lawler uh, or uh, or Ole Anderson. Because usually when you were figured in, that meant you had some kind of say in the booking. Uh, You were never too far from the main event and you had a staying power. Because think about it, Ole was a very straight lazy. The flashiest thing he ever did was wear those boots, and he never really changed his style. His wrestling style never changed. His his is you know methodical. Even when he was a babyface, basically it was Ole Anderson. But he but he had that history, and he was the perfect heel for that territory. And he had a style that was unique, and the fans accepted. So. And he also had like other business interests. He had like a timber yard. He had like other side businesses. But Ole was very good and smart with his money uh, to the point where towards the end of his career, he didn't want to be wrestling. That last run with the horsemen in the, in the early 90s, he was kind of ready to be done. And he kind of was over even just booking because, again, he had saved and made his money. Um, and uh, also... I burned a lot of bridges. I think, you know, with the corporate America coming in and only always just being, you know, kind of like a gruff, rough asshole, you know, Mick Foley, Dom Dallas Page, um, you know, a lot of wrestlers talk about how Ole 
you know, just didn't, you know, if only didn't like you, then you were not long for that world. Um, you know, uh, oh, actually, one thing uh, Oli does not get credit for, he actually uh, pretty much created and gave the uh, gimmick to the Road Warriors when yeah, they came down in the early 80s. Uh, Oli Anderson, you know, was like on a date night with his wife and, uh, you know, showed, uh, you know, and then, then they saw these two big guys and essentially gave him the Road Warriors gimmick. And, uh, and you know, and the thing about Oli was that it was really unique was people genuinely love to hate him. Like, and, and I, I've only heard him speak really fondly of Lord Alfred Hayes. Apparently Lord Alfred Hayes was one of his true, genuine friends that he's, that I heard only in a, in a shoot interview speak fondly of, because he doesn't really have anything good to say about anybody. Cause, and again, he openly admits I'm a crotchety asshole. I'm a miserable <laughs> bitch. Um, but you know, uh, he just knew how to book. He knew how to draw money, and he knew how to get over. And yeah, he was he was the quintessential heel. And he he could do singles. He could thrive in in tag. You know, uh, there was a time where when he was one of his first runs in the feud with Thunderbolt Patterson. You know, we're talking about the South in the seventies. He was worried that they would cheer him. And booze Thunderbolt because you know it being the South, you yeah. know, But believe it or not, they were you know he was surprised because he did he was that perfect at being a heel that they ch- kill the Swede you know fuck him you know get him Thunderbolt and <laughs> and you know uh, and that's the other thing too Thunderbolt Patterson was he was a good talker and he had charisma but he was a terrible terrible worker and i think a lot of the success yeah he, i think he, i think only he carried that feud and then again he'd been in the business now almost 20 years and then happened upon the four horsemen and was a part of that whole gimmick uh but again a little bit of real life bled into uh, the the fallout. The, I I my favorite horseman is the original four horsemen. I know a lot of yeah. people like the Barry Windham version, but I I, I didn't like it. I, I kind of like were on because it, you had the two established singles and the established tag team. Yeah, and yeah. And, and but you know only again at this point now we're getting into what is it like eighty five eighty six when the four horsemen uh when the four horsemen uh. Yeah, 86. So now we're talking like, you know, he had been, you know, he made his debut in 1967. You know, he's he's like almost been 20 years in the business. And again, we're talking about a guy who was able to homestead between two territories that are right next to each other. He making booking money. He was always a headliner. And remember, until Wahoo came in in 75, it was a tag team territory, the Carolinas, and and the Anderson brothers were tag the team wrestling. And even then, after '75, when you had this influx of young guys and it became uh, a bigger singles territory, they still like they had great tag team feuds with Flair uh, and and and, uh, and and Valentine, and they were still, you know, t- uh, basically a, a fixture in that tag division. 
So they were making main event, top of the card money for well over, for the majority of his career, pretty much. And booking and also being, when he was in singles, he was wrestling Dusty Rhodes and Mr. Wrestling and Tommy Rich and, you know, and Paul Jones, all the big names, Wahoo McDaniel, all the big names of the day. So this is a guy who's been doing this 20 years. He had side businesses. He's been making money. He, he was very, I think, frugal. And, you know, he had a son. And uh, he basically was. And it's funny that how many times this has happened and become a storyline where his son is a wrestler and he wanted to go watch his son wrestle. Mm-hmm. So it was a legitimate thing. And, and again, Ole was kind of over at this point, even though he's part of the hottest thing. So that's kind of a little bit of reality. They, they kind of threw him out of the horseman because Ole was like, hey, I've been doing this 20 years. I can leave when I want to leave, you know. And, and they did a little bit of a few where Ole for the second time in his career, kind of quote unquote was a fan favorite, but that didn't last too long. And then Ole was retired for a time. And then they brought him back because they were originally going to do in the 1989, 90, they were going to do a reformation of the, of the four horsemen and they screw Tully. And, uh, you know, he had an age, he still looked the part. And, you know, him and him and Arn did another run and they, you know, had some good matches with the Steiners and everything. But again, Oli was not Oli. Well, Oli is just like, hey, you know, he's, he's getting older and he's getting near his 50s and everything. And he was just like, again, when you when you, you know, he did it, he was successful. He, I'm sure he had a great time. But when you save your money and that's the thing, when people don't save their money, it's like, oh, I got to keep like the sheep kept wrestling because he kind of didn't, you know. Blew his money. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Oli saved all his money. And it's like, I don't have to fucking have some 20-something-year-old Scott Steiner throw me across the ring on top of my head. I got fucking, you know, I'm like a millionaire. And then he did some behind-the-scenes stuff and tried to do booking and, and what have you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, Oli's personality. I could be a cankerous fuck, as you could tell today. This is, might be the most cankerous I've been on a show yet. But I can turn it off or I can, you know, I can put it away in a situation where I have to be appropriate. Oli did not care. Like I said, he's probably the only wrestler in the history to stand there in front of Vince McMahon, look his Vince McMahon's wife in his, in her eyes and tell like, fuck you and get away with it. Yeah, oh, and that was the other thing too. His little power move with Jim Barnett led to Jim Barnett going to WWE and helping the national expansion because uh, up until that moment, the WWF were, you know, the Vince McMahon's were part of the NWA board, kind of like, you know, they were just kind of, you know, the WWE, Vince McMahon Sr. was always part uh, of the NWA board, just as like a, almost like a, like a diplomat kind of position. And uh, it was after the whole ousting of Jim Barnett that Barnett and McMahon and his wife Linda all walked in and said, we're leaving NWA and Oli, uh, according to the story, lost his shit and was letting Vince know what he thought and where to go and how to get there and be sure if you would put this in your ass before you get there and the whole nine. And Barnett and Sandy Scott had uh, all the connections and all the extra, you know, all that, you know, knew the ins and outs to kind of help Vince, you know, get over that expansion hump to really get across country. And Ole inadvertently, in his t- dislike of 
Barnett and just, you know, his little power grab kind of facilitated and helped Vince. Because uh, yeah, you know, be. Vince, you never would have, Barnett never would have went to Vince had, uh, had you know, only not ousted him when he was in China getting suits made. So, yeah, and that is Ole Anderson. So before we get off of this old and old school, this question I ask you. The Minnesota Red Crew is probably one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Why they don't get more roses than they than they're getting? The who? I'm sorry, you, you cut out. The- now I said Minnesota Red Crew, especially under that of one, which was the better version, on with Ole or Ole with Lars, and two, why they don't get more roses and more respect when it comes to one of the top tag teams in history? Because I think tag wrestling has kind of Again, with Vince trying to bury tag wrestling, um, I like the. I, I have some. You have to search for the Gene and Oli footage. I have the Jim Cornette uh, Mid Atlantic tapes, so mm-hmm. I actually have you know some matches with. And actually, now that we're talked about, it, I'll probably throw some of those DVDs in tonight because now I have an itch to watch them. Uh, I have a special place in my heart because. Um, when I started watching wrestling, it was Gene, it was Ole and Arn. Um, but I also, like I said, to watch two guys that looked like wrestlers, like guys that weren't pretty, they're just head breakers, and watch them grind and work. Um, see, the wrestling historianism is still, I believe, relatively new. Like all these books are coming out, and, you know, people are discovering new stuff. I mean, doing research for this podcast. And I, again, I'm not a historian. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I guess you would call a wrestling researcher, but, you know, discovering mm-hmm. that the first black female world heavyweight champion was a, uh, was a black lesbian and that, that won the title in Japan in the seventies. Um, you know, a lot of wrestling history, some of it is lost to time because it was such a closed off secret society and no one really, kept records or, you know, uh, or, you know, kept like memorabilia. As far as the fans, the fans, it depends on what kind of fan you are. If you're a WWE fan, then you're not going to really search out some of the older stuff or go too deep. I don't even know if they would go deep, you know, into WWF because even WWF doesn't really look into their own culture kind of sometimes like, you know, they're almost like they're trying to bury their past in the eighties and the seventies, you know, um, whereas, uh, the wrestling fans of today, it depends on what kind of fan I'm, you know, fascinated by, uh, one, like how things were done and how things kind of became the way they are and, and developed, you know, like how Ricky Dozan wrestled here, then eventually took tri- wrestling to Japan and how they just did a reverse of, Instead of like the Americans were the big evil foreigners and, and he was the defending hero. Um, I, I think that it was in the 70s. So you have to work a little harder. You're going to have to watch like basically like 35 millimeter film. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, maybe when Oli passes away, there'll be a renewed interest or maybe somebody will do a book on the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Uh, a lot of people want an Arn Anderson book because I've heard that they've won, yeah. you know. Uh, 
you know, it's like, again, the same thing with the Assassins. The Assassins were a famous heel tag team. The, the Samoans, the Samoans from the 70s and 80s, they and and the Sheep Herders. Sheep Herders were a tag team, a heel tag team for 40 years and went all over the world uh, and wrestled in every territory and won belts everywhere they went. It's a thing of you have to kind of dig deeper than the 80s because now we're talking about stuff that happened in the 70s. 70s and the, and the 60s were the most and, part and, too. And the stuff is there on YouTube. I mean, in, and, you know, I found a lot of stuff from Florida and I, and stuff from, you know, Memphis and uh, Continental. It's just, it's a, something you have to search out and it's a completely different style. Like I said, the Andersons had a very, they would pick a body part and break your ass down they were no non like I said, their boots were the flashiest part of them. They would come out and go, "We're gonna fucking hurt you. You're pissing us off. You're in our way. We're gonna hurt you, and we're gonna put you in the hospital." And then they would go out there and fucking do that, you know. And uh, like you, you know, it, it was a it's a different style, and it was a different way of doing things, and it was a different form of storytelling that maybe some newer fans can't get into or won't get into until maybe they get a little older. You know, uh, because it was more methodical. Because back then, you did stuff on TV to get people to come to the house shows, and that's when you saw all the shit. You know, because everything was about selling tickets. Now everything is on TV, and uh, and you'd be lucky if they go on tour to have a house show. You know, everything back then was about selling tickets. So you know, they would maybe jump a wrestler. You know, oh, they jumped. Uh, the, the the Andersons jumped uh, Ric Flair and now if you want to see Greg Valentine and Ric Flair try to get the tag titles back from the Andersons you got to go to Greensboro you got to go to you know you got to go to Roanoke you got to go to you know Wesley uh, Beckley West Virginia and so on so that was the thing you had to go to the house shows to see it they didn't really air stuff on TV true sure so yeah people that's pretty much the show, unless you want to talk about the breaking news, or do we care? Uh, I didn't know what what's the breaking news. No, nah, that Elon Musk bought Twitter. Oh, is it official now? He bought Twitter. Yeah, he bought Twitter. Uh, that's gonna be not good. I don't know what is gonna happen there. Um, yeah, a lot of people shitting bricks. What I'm seeing, <laughs> like. Well, guess what? That just me had to be a new spot that, that that takes off. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why people like him. I, personally, I think he's a douchebag, jerk off. But um, I don't even understand why he even wanted twin in the first place. I mean, for what he was describing was because you know he feels that that they they're not doing a good job and blah 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 and blah blah blah. I'm like, okay, whatever. You just wanted to buy Twitter, have something else to own. So you can control some. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. God looks like he has downs. Um, I'm amazed he can tie his own shoes. Yes. Oh, and the guy was talking about for DPW the champions, Bojack. He's a beast. I need to watch D- DPW for real. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we done. God dang it! Another. Great episode in the books, and we actually didn't go four to three hours. But then again, it really wasn't much to talk about because much really didn't happen on the wrestling side of things. So, 
With that being said, people, you know how we end this all day, every day. If you want to spend money, you'll see where to spend the money at in the description. Also, follow us on Twitter at Pro Wrestling, capital P, a capital W, and a capital S. Pro Wrestle. Is it Pro Wrestling Smoke? Pro Wrestling yeah, Smoke. Yeah, Pro Wrestling Smoke. Yes, Pro Wrestling. Well, it's actually Pro Wrestling Smoke. It's Pro Wrestling Smoke, but the actual handle is at Pro with a capital P, Wrestle with a capital W, and Smoke with a capital S. Follow us there to see all the little stuff that we tweet and also when the episodes being released. Also, Check out the premium smoke room for four ninety nine a month. We're talking about six premium podcasts for you to listen to weekly, and one of them being Pro Wrestling Smoke, where we do a deep dive into a wrestling topic and we give it to you live and uncut and uncandid. Yeah, so you think we uncandid on here? Imagine why we are on the premium smoke room. So, with that being said. Life is a learning experience. What's the point of the experience if you didn't learn anything? Billy? Yep, until next time when it's Vader time. We'll see you then. And uh, we'll have some story. Uh, hopefully, I'll have some fun stories uh, about Zodica oh, yes. next show. Oh, yes. And smoke that over. Thank you for coming to Pilgrim on Wrestling. Thank you, guys. Black Wall Street is now online, baby. That's right. Visit the GW District. Shop the very best in men's and women's apparel and accessories, home decor, office supplies, books, pantry items, and so much more. The GW District is a retail marketplace of black-owned products and media. We're both veteran and black-owned, and we're bringing you the best online shopping experience with products made by small businesses. Come and experience the GW District difference today at Shop gwdistrict.com that's shop gwdistrict.com the gw district a retail marketplace of black owned products and media that's right that's right